Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, theorists. So uh, today we're going to be going through March of the Machines and specifically the commanders from this set. Uh, we're going to have a separate episode with the other 99, the, the main deck cards from March of the Machines. And we're also going to be having another episode on the contents of the pre-cons. Uh, there are a lot of commanders in this set. Um, we're including the commanders that are exclusive to the jumpstart packs and the set booster exclusive cards. Uh, so we have a lot to get through. I don't want to delay it, but before we jump in, I want to briefly talk about our Patreon. If you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory, you can support the show and get sweet benefits, including ad free episodes for as little as $1 a month. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can help us out by rating or reviewing us wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's jump into it. We're going to start with Elish Norn. This is uh, the first of the transforming Praetor cycle. Um, and the mom herself. And the mom herself. Uh, it is two white white for a 3-5 legendary creature Phyrexian Praetor with Vigilance. Whenever a source an opponent controls deals damage to you or a permanent you control, that source's controller loses two life unless they pay one. And you can pay two and a white and sacrifice three other creature sacrifice three other creatures to exile Elish Norn and return it to the battlefield transformed under its owner's control. Activate only as a sorcery. And then once you transform it, it becomes the Argent Etchings, so which is an enchantment saga. Uh, the first chapter is incubate two five times, then transform all incubator tokens you control. Chapter two is creatures you control get plus and plus one and gain double strike until end of turn. And chapter three is destroy all other permanents except for artifacts, lands, and Phyrexians. Exile the Argent Etchings and return it to the battlefield front face up. So, uh, a lot of text there. Um, yeah, all of these Praetors are going to have just like a book to read. <laughs> yeah, feel free to rewind and, and listen to that again if you have to. Um, but I think... As with many of the Praetors, the front side is not the re- is not really what you're going for. Yeah, for, like, for the most part, you're trying to get to that back side, right? Yeah, yeah. A lot of them just have very powerful sagas attached to them. Um, so Elish Norn, I don't really care about this like taxing effect on the front half. Um, you know, giving my opponents a choice, and like both of the effects are kind of minor anyway. It's like uh, whatever. Um, <laughs> Incubate two five times. Uh, that's a lot of power right there. Uh, that's um, so right there. That's five two twos. Um, and then on the next chapter, you get to give them plus one plus one and double strike. Um, so that's thirty damage potentially just off of Elish Norn, which is really significant. And then of course that last chapter is setting you up to get massive card advantage. Um, so I I like this back half a lot. It is a little bit awkward in that you need to run sack fodder in order to transform her because you have to, you know, sacrifice three other creatures in order to, to activate that ability. Um, but you don't want to fill your deck or, or like I would be cautious about filling my deck with a bunch of token generators that didn't make Phyrexians because like anything I commit to the board is potential, you know, if I play a conqueror's pledge or an increasing devotion or something, potentially all those guys are going to get wiped by the third chapter. Maybe I'm 
being overly cautious there. That's that's something I'm a little worried about. I do like that um, if you make a bunch of mites, like token, like Phyrexian tokens with toxic, um, like you know, making five mites uh, and giving them plus one plus one and double strike can potentially kill someone outright. Um, mm-hmm. So I like the idea of like leading. Um, a big white sun's uh white sun's twilight, twilight. into elish norn yeah i do want to say i'm going to argue a little bit for the front side because i think that i don't really have anything to add about the back side but the front side is just going to like make sure that games end like it's going to feel like a nothing ability until it's like the most important thing that's happening mm-hmm. so like the scenario is always going to be like nothing 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 i don't pay it whatever maybe i pay someone's going to pay some life totals are going to go down you like alpha strike with the backside and then elish norn is there and someone maybe someone attacks you and you go like okay a block and you say how much mana do you have up and they go what and then you say oh yeah um well take eight because <laughs> <laughs> you blocked a bunch of their guys so, like that's not nothing either like at the end of the game like that means that people really have to think about how they're going to interact with you um, so I don't think it's nothing. I think it's going to be nothing most of the game, and then eventually it's going to matter like a ton, right? Like, because I'm I'm not paying one per source of damage dealt to your thing until I absolutely have to, right? So mm-hmm. um, at a certain point, that's going to warp the game, but it will not warp the game until like the very very last few like turns of the game maybe even last turn you know like you've alpha striked a few times like one or two people are dead it's down to you and somebody else and then they have to deal with this so that's like i don't think it's nothing but it's definitely i wouldn't like count on that being the game plan like you said i completely agree with that like yeah you want to get that, your three creatures to flip into the, the saga that's a good point I actually missed that it um triggered off of damage being dealt to permanence you control um so that is a really good point. If you are trying to like, you know, commit a bunch of tokens to the board or a bunch of Phyrexians uh, and then like just beat down with them repeatedly, that will trigger a lot more than if you're expecting it to be purely defensive. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It, 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 you can use it aggressively, too, because then you're, you're attacking with mites, right? And they go, oh, well, I'll block your mites. And you go, OK, well, are you going to pay five? <laughs> like. Mm-hmm. You're gonna pay five or take ten? Like, what do you want to do? Like, bud, come on. <laughs> so, so it does eventually matter, but it's not gonna matter most. Like, I'm like just gonna take that damage. I'm yeah. gonna take that damage most of the time until I'm at eight and you have six guys and I have to figure out how to deal with them that isn't blocking. So, um, all in all, like crazy powerful. Like, I feel like all these predators are. We're gonna say that like. This is one heck of a magic card. Mm-hmm. I I actually think the next one we're going to talk about might be the most powerful of the cycle. Um, oh. Do you want to jump right into it? That is a, a good segue. Yeah, can I read them off? Go for it. So this is Jingataxius. So Jingataxius is a 5-5 five, five Phyrexian Praetor for 5. So he costs 3 blue-blue. He has Ward 2. And whenever you cast a non-creature spell with mana value 3 or greater, draw a card. 
So we, we kind of alluded to this if you listen to the D&D episode, but um, wow. <laughs> um, but there's more. So he has three and a blue, so four mana. Exile Jingataxius, then return it to the battlefield, transformed under its owner's control. Activate this only as a sorcery and only if you have seven or more cards in hand. Uh, so he turns into, for four mana, the Great Synthesis. The chapter one of the Great Synthesis is draw cards equal to the number of cards in your hand. You have no maximum hand size for as long as you control the Great Synthesis. Chapter two is return all non-Phyrexian creatures to their owner's hands. Chapter three is you may cast any number of spells from your hand without paying their mana costs. Exile the Great Synthesis, then return it to the battlefield. Um, so just to clarify, you have pay five for Jingataxius. Once you have seven cards in hand, you can pay four to flip him into the Great Synthesis, and then you go through that whole whole rigmarole <laughs> of cards and bouncing and card draw and all that stuff. So again, if you need to listen to that again, please um, please rewind a little bit. You know, hit that back button a few times. But wow, this is a, this is a doozy. <laughs> Yeah, this is extremely strong. Um, so one thing I want to note, because if I don't say it now, I'm going to forget it. Um, I think the mana value three or greater rider is interesting because um, we've said so many times on the show, whenever you have a commander that says, like, cast an X spell, draw a card, uh, you know, the the best way to farm that is, of course, to just run the cheapest version of that thing possible. So like the one or zero mana um, like versions of, of thing X. So I think like wizards has kind of recognized that. And I think that's what this rider is supposed to prevent, make it so that you're actually casting spells that do things instead of like one mana cantrips. And I think we're, I would expect that we see more things like this in the future when they design these types of commanders, like a, a mana value, uh, a, a high mana value restriction on getting your reward. Um, but jumping into the card itself, um, I so we've got a list in the episode description. Recommend you check that out. And uh, what I've noticed just from goldfishing is once you get to that seven card threshold and like transform him the first time, you kind of just win. Like what tends to happen, I mean, you know, first off, you're drawing seven cards immediate or seven or more cards immediately. Yeah, wild. <laughs> uh, this deck runs a bunch of um, like proliferate effects, like all the the cheap cantrippy proliferate effects in uh, that were in like March of the Machines or previous sets. You want to run all all those because you really really want to speed run the saga side of the card. Like um, bouncing the non frexing creatures is kind of whatever, but casting any number of spells from your hand without paying the mana cost uh that's obviously insane and this deck runs a bunch of the extra turn effects uh just a because they're expensive and it's a great way to get value off of that third chapter but also they are themselves kind of proliferate effects in the sense that you know when you take an extra turn you get to tick your saga one further and you get to like keep going and like once you exile the saga and return it transformed well you probably have seven cards in hand because you had seven to start with and then you drew seven more and you probably didn't spend them all so you just get to like 
flip Jingataxius another time, go through it again. You're and you're like drawing, usually drawing like more and more cards each time you do this. You're more and more likely to see your extra turn effects. Um, it just like snowballs incredibly hard. If you get to flip once, you're the, like the flipping don't stop. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're never gonna have to worry about it ever again. Yeah, uh, Bar- so barring it, like massive discard, you know, someone exactly yeah. Crocs or something. Um, but. The deck is very powerful. One thing that like kind of keeps it in check is that, you know, normally when you see this, okay, I got to spend nine mana total in order to to start my engines. Um, like normally when you see that kind of thing, you think, oh, okay, like, so I'll run a bunch of fast mana, but the, but like fast mana doesn't totally help you because if you're running a bunch of fast mana, then you're emptying your hand. You're making it harder to get to that seven card threshold. Um, so that is a challenge, but it is nice that Jengataxius has ward and like the cast a non-creature spell with mana value three greater actually like works really, really well with free counter spells. Like just imagine you play your Jengataxius, you know, on turn five or whatever with the intention of flipping it next turn. Like your opponent tries to cast spot removal. First they the, the ward triggers, they have to pay for ward. And then you like force of will them and you draw a card off of Jingataxius's <laughs> trigger or you like fierce guardianship force of negation you or like foil thwart like there's um yeah it, like drawing a card off of free spells feels absolutely filthy uh and i think this commander is just uh pretty powerful provided you can get that first flip to resolve like you said i don't think we'll be too difficult i i also feel like we're not necessarily gonna see a lot of these decks stick over time because they're so powerful <laughs> like this is the kind of deck where your friend gets really excited builds it plays it everyone gets really upset and then <laughs> and they take it apart <laughs> like it's it's like this high high level of power especially for casual in particular I'm assuming CEDH might have something to do with this because if drawing cards off of Force of Will is generally pretty good. <laughs> it's a pretty good thing that you want to be doing. But um, I'm not an expert in that regard at all, so I can't say anything for sure. Yeah, this, I, this guy's nuts. <laughs> I, I, I do agree this is going to crush casual tables for sure. Like if yeah. you're, you know, the, the kinds of meta that just don't run spot removal like aren't mm-hmm. going to be able to interact with everything this card is doing. Mm-hmm. Or if you're like not running, not even like some counter, like if if you're a counter spell light uh, circle, like spot removal light, it's just not gonna go well. Like if you're an interaction light play group, then Jinkataxius is probably gonna just bulldoze through mm-hmm. <laughs> some of the games that you end up playing with him, which is like wild and i don't think they shouldn't print cards at this power level i think this is cool and fun and i'll probably end up putting this index and stuff like that but wow they just (laughs) really went ham on these like especially i'll talk about them when we get to the last of the praetors but they just did not hold back (laughs) like at all they're i I mean really honestly (laughs) it's a good thing like if they're gonna spoilers kill off these characters like yeah (laughs) you know send them off well Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I'll have a lot to say in a few praetors, uh, nudge nudge, wink wink. So I guess let's get to the next monocolor commander. Are you ready? 
Sure. Um, so this next commander is Shieldred. Um, so she is three black black for a four five legendary creature Phyrexian Praetor. She has menace. Uh, when she enters the battlefield, each opponent sacrifices a non-token creature or planeswalker. Uh, and then she has four black exile Shieldred and return it to the battlefield transformed under its owner's control. Activate only as a sorcery and only if an opponent has eight or more cards in their graveyard. And then the back half is the true scriptures. It's an enchantment saga. Chapter one is for each opponent, destroy up to one target creature or planeswalker that player controls. Chapter two is each opponent discards three cards, then mills three cards. And chapter three is put all creature cards from all graveyards onto the battlefield under your control. Exile the true scriptures, then return to the battlefield front face up. Um, wow. I mean, I mean, I'm going to yeah. say that over and over, but like all of these sagas are, are pretty insane. Um, so I love that there's, I mean, I love that there's like value on the front side of Shieldred. Um, just like, you know, ETB forcing a sacrifice is pretty useful. Um, there's lots of ways to just utilize that before you even bother to flip it. And the flip condition is actually like one of the easier ones to achieve. Mm-hmm. You can just, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You can run discard, you can run like mesmeric orb things that like either just mill a whole bunch or just get cards in the graveyards kind of incidentally. I don't think it's too hard to make that happen, but there's also just plenty to do with, I'm going to play shield dread and then I'm going to put her in a conjurer's closet or I'm going to sacrifice her and return her with like a Malakir rebirth. Um, there, there's all these like little, you know, one mana instant when, it, you know, whenever creature dies this turn, return to the battlefield under its owner's control, blah, blah, blah. Um, and just having a good ETB trigger makes those cards a lot more valuable. And then, of course, like the back half is just amazing. You kill the most threatening <laughs> thing on each opponent's board. Um, you get massive card advantage by forcing them to discard three cards like crazy. Uh, and then, of course, it feeds itself um, by like forcing that mill, forcing that discard, and then leading into your big rise of the dark realms finish um i think this is uh very powerful and i i love that you can get a lot of value off the front half yeah no this one is another one where it's just super solid all the way around like the bodies too on these like elishnorn i think is like the most sad body at a three five vigilance but like mm-hmm. a five five for five like brawls pretty hard with Jingataxius, and this is a four or five menace so like you're they're not gonna have creatures you're gonna be able to get in with with damage and then you're also making them discard and sacrifice like this is just so brutal like you don't need another win condition in your deck like yeah to kill people it's wild it's so crazy i um i actually think like i would consider running shieldred in the 99 of just like a reanimator list um, mm-hmm. cause if I'm, you know, the, the kinds of decks that are running like Fleshbag Marauder or whatever, cause yeah, you're paying more mana for that effect. Um, but the potential to flip it, uh, and just get crazy, crazy value makes it worth the extra cost on the front end. I think, I think this could mm-hmm. be a good card in the 99 for certain decks. 
No, I, I totally agree. I honestly like most of the places except for one of these guys, Nudge Nudge Wink Wink. I'm probably just going to be putting them into the 99 because the power level is so high that like I want to play them and have fun, but I don't want to ruin everybody's day. <laughs> like I played so many mono black decks where just the, super oppressive. I strip yeah. your hand, I kill your guys. Yeah, and it's not even like you don't even have to try hard. Like all you have to do is like put a grave pact with the right black commander or like mm-hmm. play uh cabal conditioning. Like, yeah, exactly. Like it's not hard to to do that. And so these decks can end up really oppressive. But if you have a deck you like and this fits into the game plan, like all of a sudden you just have this really powerful tool that will come up every now and then. But also if your play group is just like pretty cutthroat and brutal, like heck yeah, shoulder, it's going to be awesome. Like if your play group is one of the ones, cause I've been in some of those play groups before where kind of the goal is to have like one wild two and a half hour game or something mm-hmm. like that. Then of course jam shield red, go crazy, but just really be mindful. Like about <laughs> like if your play group is winning by attacking with like five fives, like often. Oh yeah. Shieldred's going to just mulch yeah. those guys. Yeah, I, absolutely. It's just, this just might feed be them into the wood chipper. Brutal. <laughs> yeah. So again, like really cool, really strong, be mindful, have fun. Um, but ooh, oh, wow. <laughs> Wowie zowie. So yeah, so I guess let's get to the, the next one. Most of the set, as you're about to see, is multicolor. So we don't have that many. Uh, we're already in red, guys to get basically. Yeah. yeah, so uh, can I read off this guy? Go for it. Uh, <laughs> this guy's pretty wild. He's uh, Ortheon, Hero of Lava Brink. Uh, so Ortheon, Hero of Lava Brink, is a 3-3 three, three human soldier for four mana, three and a red. So what do you get? You get uh, a 3-3 three, three that has two abilities. The first one is one and a red, tap, create a token that's a copy of another target creature you control. Against haste, sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step, activate only as a sorcery. And the second ability is six red, 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 so nine mana, tap, create five tokens that are copies of another target creature you control. They gain haste, sacrifice them at the beginning of the next end step, activate only as a sorcery. Love the the one mana discount on that one. <laughs> They're like, you get one mana off for free, bud. It's like, <laughs> hey, thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, buy four, get one half off. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> classic, um, classic big box store. But yeah, how do you feel about Ortheon? So if you just, you know, look at the the first ability, it's like, well, this kind of is not that exciting compared to Kiki Jiki or um, yeah. Jaxus the Troublemaker. Yeah, I um, do just want one note though, it you can copy your legendary creatures. Like that's they, true. they probably will die, but like if it has a good ETB. So that is they do is give you that Jaxus? for two mana. Let me see that. Oh, Jaxus. Actually, Jaxus might be able to hit both of them. Uh yes, Jaxus can hit legendary creatures. Um, okay, there you go. But like, you know, it's it's clearly in that same space and it just like looks a, a little bit worse. Um yeah. but <laughs> that second ability, you can win the game with that. That can (laughs) kill people if you're targeting the right thing. Um, Yeah, absolutely. So if you're like targeting a Scourge of Valkus, well, okay, you've got one Scourge of Valkus, and then you've got five token copies entering, and they all see each other entering. And let me me just do some math really quick. I think you win the game. Uh, (laughs) 
And then Terror of the Peaks is similar. You know, you've got one on the battlefield already, and then five more entering, and they all see each other entering. Um, so you're just like icing your opponents. If you can get either one of those on the board and then activate this five token ability, the tricky part is, of course, going to be like tutoring this up in a mono red color identity. But I think there are, so there are those that obviously win the game. Um, Oh, actually, Fanatic of Mogus probably works too. So mm. minimum, you're going to have five guys entering, and they're each going to see at least seven uh, Devotion to Red. So that's 35 damage to each opponent after you already played the first Fanatic of Mogus. And that's assuming you have no other red permanents on the battlefield. Um, so, okay. three cards that win the game and there's probably more that i'm just not thinking of like yeah, if you have i bet there's more <laughs> oh what's the um what's that devil from streets of nukapenna that's like whenever a creature enters a battlefield whenever another creature enters a battlefield you double its power and it's got like haste and trample oh yeah um i can't remember its name off the top of my head that definitely so like one times two to the power of five or four i guess so two to the power of four, that's 16. That's not that much, but you have five of them. And then the original is 32 power. So that could probably win the game. Anyway, maybe you don't need tutors. If there is like a critical mass of things like this that just, you know, just go wild. <laughs> yeah. Just have like scale incredibly well. So I guess that's what I would try to do with it. I would try to, get a critical mass or just like churn through my deck with the rummaging effects to find them and then make big mana, maybe like save up a bunch of treasure tokens so that I can just activate it and win. Um, that's what I would try to do with Ortheon. The first ability is whatever, like we just have that. And then the second ability, we, the only thing close to that second ability is, um, rider replication. Mm-hmm. you know like that is that impactful that many bodies that quickly so yeah i i like this guy simply for that just because it's so ridiculous <laughs> um and then there's just stuff like you know like even if you're not winning the game like getting five like inferno titans or something is yeah. probably enough to at least wreck a board if not win the game or kill someone you know so it's yeah that's it's like a lot Six damage, just direct damage, divide however you want, plus like the 30, or sorry, 30 just direct damage from like ETB and attack, and then 30 power from the tokens, plus the original one. Uh, yeah, that, that pretty, comes pretty close to winning. Yeah, there, and there's, I feel like there's a decent amount of guys that do that, that like even if you don't like win-win, like you probably, probably win, you know, yeah. like... You probably like next turn uh, they're not coming back from that one <laughs> kind mm-hmm. of thing um but that all said um i guess there's one more mono red commander um yeah i can read can this anyone guy guess off. who it is yeah absolutely <laughs> uh this is urabrask uh, he's two red red for a legendary creature phyrexian praetor at his first strike Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, Urbrask deals one damage target opponent. Add red. Uh, then you can pay red and exile Urbrask and return to the battlefield transformed under its owner's control. Activate only as a sorcery and only if you've cast three or more instant and or sorcery spells 
this turn. And he's a 4 4. So 4 4 4 strike for 4. The back half is The Great Work. It's an enchantment saga. Chapter 1 is The Great Work deals 3 damage to target opponent and each creature they control. Chapter 2 is Create 3 Treasure Tokens. And Chapter 3 is Until End of Turn, you may cast instant and sorcery spells from your graveyard. If a spell cast this way would be put into a graveyard, exile it instead. Exile the Great Work, then return it to the battlefield front face up. So, uh... My gut reaction is that this is one of the Praetors where one of the probably the this is the Praetor of this cycle that has the most power concentrated on the front half. I think this saga looks kind of weak to me. Um, like the first chapter is I mean, it's it's fine, but it doesn't scale to multiplayer. Like, you can only really hose one person. The second chapter, it's like, okay, I get three mana after my commander just made a billion mana. Like, if I am if I wanted mana, I would just not transform him because his, his front half is so good at getting that. The chapter three is good. I do like Past in Flames, um, but you have to wait two turns to get there, which is not exciting. Um, a lot of the other creators we've seen so far so far had something incredibly powerful like as chapter one like okay i get you know uh 20 power immediately or i draw at least seven cards um or i kill each of your best things like this one just dealing three damage target opponent each creature they control i don't care that much but again the front half is very powerful it's weaker than Burgie god of storytelling but typically like those kinds of effects are ones you want in multiples if you're trying to combo off with spells uh i actually think that urbrask is if i was going to build like around an urbrask i would actually just build around burgi and put urbrask in the main deck because burgi is just better at doing the same thing but he definitely is a very strong contributor to that list. Like once you have Burgi and one other thing, whether that's an Urbrask or a Runaway Steamkin or that Stormkiln Artist um, or, or like a cost reduction effect, something. Um, once you have, once you're like getting two mana back per spell you cast, that's when you really start going off. That's when you're like, netting mana or when you're like tormenting voices and thrill of possibilities start uh being mana neutral and that's when the churn really begins and and you start like taking off i think that urbrask is a powerful contributor to that archetype but he's not he's just not the best commander he just looks like a worse version of the best one oh that's funny i i think like to me urbrask is like I mean, it's definitely comparable, comparable to Burgi. I think the saga, like the actual great work, is is something that you want to do sometimes. So, like the you flip Urbrask for one, and then I think it's better if you can proliferate at all. Like, I'm not saying you need to put a bunch of proliferate in this deck. There's also not a lot in red that aren't like artifacts and stuff, so that doesn't synergize. But um, that third chapter like getting to cast things from everyone's graveyards is is kind of wild so you are doing your thing 
you're generating a ton of mana and stuff like that. And then you flip, you protect yourself from like tokens or something. You get a bunch of treasure and then you can cast things out of everyone else's graveyard to kick off like another big Urbrask turn. And the treasure help you do that. So I think this, if, if you're going straight combo, I think you're completely right with Burgie. Like since Burgie triggers off of any spell, you just don't have to think about it. You just like play what you need, get the mana. You can get mana off your mana rocks, make more mana. So you have like jumps and stuff like that. I think like going through the steps with Urbrass, because I'm assuming you're going to play wheels and things too. So you're not just going to be like refilling your hand and cantripping and stuff like that. If you're going off with Urbrass, like you're going to be giving everyone like dumping their hands, putting them back into the graveyard, giving them seven new cards, doing that a few times. So. I'm really interested to see the play pattern on Urbrask. It's probably the best one that we've seen of him. <laughs> you know, like this is probably the strongest version of our boy that we've gotten. And uh, for that, I thank them. That's something I'm not like necessarily embarrassed to play. They just, they kept making him four fours for five. You know, <laughs> why'd they do that? <laughs> why'd they do that when all the other ones were pretty decent? But um, yeah, I don't know. I I do like him a lot. I think one thing too that you tend to undervalue sometimes is the damage. Like I know it's just a one opponent, but the fact that like going through the loops is, let's say you go through a big Urbrask turn and you don't necessarily like go off, go off, but you just do your thing, add to the board, whatever. Someone might've taken like 10 damage, you know, to add to your board, to do a bunch of stuff. Like that doesn't seem awful <laughs> to me. This seems like, pretty good actually for just doing what you were going to do in the first place so i i like him i like him a lot i think like i said i think you're right if you are just trying to combo Burgie's probably better she's also cheaper so she comes down a turn earlier starts doing her thing with more permanent types um or more card types but i think there's so much going on on this card that like i can't help but feel like it's strong in ways that we can't see quite yet you know Okay, let let me. I'm gonna just like check something really quick. Um, yeah. Man, there's just like no ways to proliferate in mono red. That's, yeah, there's like volt charge. There's the engine and the clasp. There's and the like, chair. Yeah, the chair <laughs> and the land. Um, the land staff of. I would I would maybe run like staff of completion in this deck. Mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, because um, the problem with flipping him is that you're on this chain and then you flip him and then you have to wait two turns before you can like go off do the big thing yeah yeah so that is the biggest problem with flipping him like if you're trying to do the front half then the back half kind of gets in the way even though if you can get to chapter three like you probably will be able to get there that time you know yeah that turn you're you're definitely getting there it is pretty sweet that like when chapter three goes off the way it's worded it's not like you have to cast everything right now it's like until end of turn you may cast so it flips itself back into urbrask and so you're getting his like his kickback Mm -hmm. or his refund uh on all these spells you're casting out of graveyards so that is kind of cool pretty red Mm -hmm. but you just can't like speed run it super well no yeah so that is the thing like i'm i'm i think like if we see high-powered versions of Urbrask, I'm not sure how often they're going to actually try to flip him, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but 
that said, we have a few more guys to go through. So do you want to get into our first mono green commander? Sure. Um, so our first mono green commander comes to us from the jumpstart packs. Uh, this is Serac and Gorklaw. It is four green green for a six five legendary creature human bear with trample. Other creatures you control have trample. Whenever another non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus plus one counter on it. It gains haste until end of turn. Um, so I know that that sounds a little underwhelming, but a mono green commander giving haste um, actually kind of goes off. Um, so I was thinking like you could basically like all your mana dorks are mana neutral or in some cases mana positive. Like you play a Birds of Paradise, Sorak and Gorklaw is going to give it haste. It's like you didn't spend any, you know, you tap it. It's like you didn't spend any mana at all. So if you're trying to do like a creature ball strategy, like a, you know, Beast Whisper, Guardian Project, um, like Glimpse of Nature, a Great Henge type of deck, this actually like is not a terrible commander for it. And there's a couple cards that work particularly well um, when they just randomly get plus and plus one counters. So it's actually kind of sweet that you can uh, net mana off of an incubation druid. That's the elf druid from um, it's from the recent Ravnica block, but it's one to green for a zero two. Tap, add one mana of any type that a land you control could produce. If incubation druid has a plus and plus one counter on it, add three mana of that type instead. So it's actually like a ritual. Um, there's also Orochi um, Merge Keeper, one to green for a 1-1 Snake Druid. It taps for green. And then as long as Orochi Merge Keeper is modified, it has tap, add green, green. So if that's getting a plus one, plus one counter off of Sorak and Gorklaw, then it taps for enough mana to pay for itself. It has haste. Um, it just seems really easy to go off with this deck um if you can just like untap with serac and gorklaw and if you have like any sort of any sort of draw engine uh then you're you can just pop off really well and and one last thing i want to and of course like you're on color for things like regal force shamanic revelation collective unconscious uh and then a couple options that work specifically because of your commander adding counters like you can run a um you can run an inspiring call. So two and a green instant, draw a card for each creature you control with a plus and plus one counter on it. Those, creature gains in, those creatures gain indestructible until end of turn. Um, you can also run Armorcraft Judge, three and a green for a three, three elf artificer. When it enters a battlefield, draw a card for each creature you control with a plus and plus one counter on it. Um, so it seems like this deck is surprisingly explosive for uh, such like a simple commander design that just like adds a couple keywords and a plus one plus one counter. So one thing that I want to add about like the green commanders that give keywords like haste is like weirdly deceptive. And so it was like you said, like the fact that this turns your mana dorks into rituals sometimes pretty crazy. So I'm always on the lookout for that. And the other one is vigilance. So like, giving your mana dorks vigilance is pretty mm -hmm. wild too. Um, so those are the two things that I'm always looking for. So I saw Sirach 
And then I saw you made a deck for Shirok. <laughs> Shirok and Gorklaw, and it was not that much of a surprise. I was like, okay, this is cool. <laughs> this yeah. is going to be pretty wild. I, I do think it's cool. They they knew what they were doing because they gated him at six mana, you know. Mm-hmm. But you are playing all these mana dorks. You're going to get to six mana. So it should be pretty fun play pattern. Yeah. And also, w- one last thing I will say is it's very nice that he just has like a ton of power on the main card because that means that oh, yeah. you get to run like these power based draw spells. Like, you know, you, you cast your Garak Primal Hunter or your Soul's Majesty for five mana and then you draw six cards. That's also going to make it. It's just like another nice little bonus that this commander had that makes it easier to combo off. Um, they really just gave him either the person like making this was a genius or actually uh, you know what i'll just uh assume that's the case that's the that's the nicest assumption um they they knew what they were doing they made a card that like oh timmy that timmy would love but also johnny would love too because it has because of all these like little tweaks uh that just make it perfect for this style of deck anyway i like this design good job wizards killing it um so we have our last Monocolored Commander. Um, I was going to ask if I can read them off. Go for it. So, uh, again, can you guess who it is? It's Vorinclex. So, Vorinclex is a 5-mana 6-6 Phyrexian Praetor. So, for a mere 3 and 2 green, you get a 6-6 with Trample and Reach that says whenever Vorinclex enters the battlefield, search your library for up to 2 forest cards Reveal them, put them in your hand, and then shuffle. And then has an activated ability that is six green green, so eight mana. Exile Vorinclex, then return it to the battlefield, transformed under its owner's control. Activate only as a sorcery. So no extra condition, just you got eight, you get it. Uh, So he transforms into the Grand Evolution. So the first chapter is mill ten cards. Put up to two creature cards from among the milled cards onto the battlefield. Twos distribute seven plus one plus one counters among any number of target creatures you control. And three is until end of turn. Creatures you control gain one, so just generic. This creature fights target creature you don't control. Exile the Grand Evolution, then return it to the battlefield. So, all in all, just Vorinclex... Five mana, six six trample reach, turns into the this like saga that gives you a bunch of generic value. You get some lands in your hand, and then notable like when chapter three finishes and he comes back, you get two more forests. Not like I think that's my biggest thing is like that's good. I love hitting my land drops, but like that's not as good as you can get in green. So. All in all, after all of this chapter book that we just read through, what do you feel like Vorinclex is going to look like as a deck? So I think you obviously want like things that give you additional land drops just so that you can make use of those forests as soon as possible. Um, I, I think that like you probably want a little bit of proliferate, just like speed running these sagas, you know, if it's not intrusive, um, just like a, uh, what's the like landfall proliferate guy? Um, oh, the but, evolution sage. Yeah, yeah, just that kind of thing. Like 
things where it's you can set it up kind of early and just it sits on the board and then eventually allows you to, to get through the the saga a little bit quickly. Um, I'd say, let me think. I think you don't actually have to run fat beef because um, like you can drop in like birds of paradise and like auger of autumn and then just make your birds super swole and then have that fight a couple things um you don't really have to work to make that fight ability good notably i, I mean you guys you guys probably know this but obviously like vorinclex himself can't be the one fighting because he's not on the battlefield when that chapter three triggers um, <laughs> this, yeah <laughs> but seems like a, a very good card just imagine like showing this to somebody who's playing in like 1999 like here's your it's, here's what you get for five mana these days <laughs> yeah it's the it's the um victorian child has a mountain dew joke of the yeah. <laughs> magic community like just cannot fathom what is even occurring in this moment <laughs> But it seems very sweet. I don't think it's too... I, normally, like, when we see, like, you know, put up to two creature cards from among them, blah, 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 I talk about the hypergeometric calculator, but this is a green deck. You're going to be running enough that you'll get value. Arguably, like, maybe you would want your curve to be a little higher because this is a deck that's ramping really hard and, and will need probably some mana sinks other than its commander. Um, and also, like, the higher mana value of your creatures the more like mana you're getting by putting these creatures directly onto the battlefield um so something to consider uh i think this deck can yeah can probably have a higher curve than most but i don't know it's it seems good this is uh i don't know if there's like a ton of direction other than that though like I'm, i'm kind of just like naming like things that you would probably just want to do in green anyway like oh put mana ramp in your green deck uh <laughs> yeah no, <laughs> this is, that's actually this is really good theory right here yeah exactly that's kind of the thing about Vornclex. like i feel like they tried to distill these braiders down to like their core essence like what do they want this monocolor like spe- specifically like what does phyrexia in this monocolor want to do mm-hmm. and turns out Vornclex is just like green stuff <laughs> like <laughs> never miss a land drop like make your guys huge get free creatures like there's there's no nuance it's just like get value for mana and that's pretty much it that's what green does you know spend mana get stuff keep going there's <laughs> not not a lot of extra stuff so i think that's kind of my like Vorinclex is good. This deck is going to play well. You're going to have a good time. I feel like this one, even though, um, well, I guess I would say like this is probably the least powerful of the bunch. Is probably my estimation because you have to get to nine. You have to get to nine before you can run through the Grand Evolution, which isn't not going to happen because well, it gives you two forests. You're playing Mana Dorks, you know. Okay, well, I'll say it is only eight, but um, oh yeah, eight. Sorry. Uh. I don't, I don't know. I don't think it's that bad. I, I honestly, oh, no, I don't I'm, think any of them are bad. This yeah, is, yeah. The, that's my caveat. <laughs> yeah. Um, let me think. I think that I still am like low on Elish Norn relative to this. Um, oh, cause you need the three creatures to start. Yeah. Um, and also just like, I would, 
I think just eight, like green has an easier time of getting to, to eight mana than anyone else. Um, and you're, uh, I don't know. I like this. Um, I mean, yeah, you're, you're right about that. Like that you're, you are going to get to eight, you know, like if you make even a low powered Vorinclex deck, you're, you're getting to eight. <laughs> like it's, he's going to flip. You're going to do it. Hmm. So, yeah, I think it's just, like you said, there is, there isn't direction. There is just beef, which is, uh, the plight of mono green commanders often, you know? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, um, well, we have many more commanders to get through, uh, so yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's jump on to the next one. Uh, so next is Errant and Giada. It is one white blue for a two three legendary creature, Human Angel. It has Flash and Flying. You may look at the top card of your library anytime. You may cast spells with Flash or Flying from the top of your library. Um. So I don't need to tell you like how to do gather search for just like creatures with. <laughs> Or like spells with flash or flying in this color uh, identity, um, you can do that and then figure out what the good ones are. Uh, I, I will say, like you clearly want library manipulation, like you know, scroll rack, brainstorm type of stuff, um, or even like ways to mill, like selectively mill cards off the top of your libraries. You're just getting gas all the time. Um, I'll note that it's not; it's actually kind of difficult to grant flash two things um most things like vidalcan orrery are just worded as um you know as though it had flash the only thing that like actually grants flash two things is to fairy mage of zalfir so you might be able to i mean you can use that to like just increase your hit rate a little bit but you're you want to just make sure that your deck is running enough of the quantity that like you've got a 40% chance that the top card is what you want at any given time. Um, yeah. Selection does not mean you can be a bad deck builder. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I will, I also want to say like, I, I gotta, I'm contractually obligated to mention this every time we see a commander in blue that lets you look at the top card of your library anytime uh, you can combo with thought lash. So especially if you've got like any flyer, that or or spell with flash that lets you draw a card so that could be like a mole drifter or an omen of the sea it's not that difficult um but basically thought lash two blue blue for an enchantment wow i should look up the oracle text because it's an old card um yeah (laughs) but you can exile the top card of your library to prevent the next one damage that would be dealt to you this turn um, and it has cumulative upkeep, exile the top card of your library, and whenever a player doesn't pay Thought Lash's cumulative upkeep, that player exiles all car- all cards from their library. Um, so, uh, basically, let's say you have Errant and Giada and Thought Lash on the battlefield. You can see the top card. It's, uh, a li- you know, basically you're going to mill everything that isn't a... a an omen of the sea or a um or a mold drifter or whatever and you probably want like enough density of like things that fit the criteria the the flying or flash criteria that draw you a card so that you're all but guaranteed that one of them will be on like above the thos's oracle in your library um so you mill cards until you hit your mold drifter your omen of the sea or whatever your sky scanner 
then you cast that off the top and then with the like ETB draw trigger on the stack, you exile cards until Thassa's Oracle is your top card. The Sky Scanner draws it into your hand for you. You cast it from your hand and then with the ETB trigger from Thassa's Oracle on the stack, you exile the rest of your library with Thought Lash and you win the game. Um, so that's the combo. It's essentially a one card combo. Um, and I would just toss it in because it's very little. Re- it requires so little real estate from you. Um, and it just, you know, you can win the game out of nowhere. All of these like cast stuff off the top commanders I've been super into. Like we've gotten like a deluge of them over the last like two years, mm-hmm. but they're fun. And like as long as they put like a big enough restriction on them so that your commander isn't just straight up like future sight with like 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 Melek was uh, like you know bless his heart he was six mana you know <laughs> but um back in the good old days now you get that effect for three <laughs> in two colors it's still it's wild anyway uh i love these cards and i think that like an aaron and giada deck is gonna be fun even if you don't combo with it like this deck being a scryfall search doesn't mean that that scryfall search doesn't put a bunch of fun cards together and there's enough cards with these abilities that you can like differentiate between yours and your friends Aaron and Giada deck if you like both are into this so i just think this is a good card i think this is a cool commander um i think the list that we're going to post with the show shows off the uh, combo potential pretty well and is just pretty fun um which I think gets us to the next card. Can I can I read off this next one? This is another Azorius commander. Go for it. So this is Heliod, the Radiant Dawn. So Heliod is a 4-4 legendary enchantment creature god, as per usual. For four mana, two white-white. Uh, huh? You said Azorius. Uh, so Heliod says whenever Heliod, the Radiant Dawn, enters the battlefield, return target enchantment card that isn't a god from your graveyard to your hand. So ETBs get back. Uh, what what is that? The uh, um, Ormancer, not Ormancer. The the three drop. <laughs> there's there's a creature that does oh, this. Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, or there's like Idealist or something from Urza Saga too that does this. There's like two of them. But um, why is he Azorius? He has three and Phyrexian blue. Transform Heliod the Radiant Dawn. Activate only as a sorcery. So for four mana, you get a four four that regrows an enchantment that's not a god. And for three mana and two life, or three mana and a blue, you transform him into Heliod, the Warped Eclipse. And they're really pushing this type line here. It is a legendary enchantment creature Phyrexian god um, that is a 4-6 that says you may cast spells as though they had flash. Uh, so exactly what we were talking about with Errant and Giada there. And also says spells you cast cost generic less to cast for each card your opponents have drawn this turn. That's actually pretty wild. Um, it's really easy to get your opponents to draw cards. And then it's really easy to cast eight drops for free. So you want to get into uh, this deck? You actually put a deck together for this guy. Yes. Uh, so Symmetrical Card Draw is the name of the game. Um, so if you just like cast a Windfall and everyone draws like six cards, then your spells cost 18 less to cast. Um, And it kind of, like, there's enough 
ways to force symmetrical card draw that you can um that you can kind of just like chain stuff together because yeah windfall only draws you six cards but once you get into like um prosperity just like the x spells um then you just see like basically your entire library like you you pay one mana into your prosperity you draw everyone draws 18 cards now your spells cast like infinitely less to cost uh, or infinitely less to cast uh and it just goes absolutely insane from there um it's the win condition of the deck is i don't know like uh <laughs> i guess you can psychosis crawler that'll do the job pretty well um that's so funny <laughs> you can uh you can also just like i mean once you're seeing so much of your deck you can you're like guaranteed to draw into whatever combo um you can also just put like some extra turn spells in there like you know pay blue blue for your time warp uh and and get extra time to set up your win condition but it's it almost doesn't matter when you're drawing a billion cards um mm-hmm. I, I will mention you probably want to throw in like abeyance silence forms chant type of cards just make it so that yeah you're giving away a million cards to your opponents but they can't use them this turn and i'm gonna win right now so it's fun it's funny because i actually assumed this was more of an l like this is what rakdos would look like in azorius kind of you know like you you get these like huge discounts on these gigantic eldrazi so you're like all right and a casual ulamog after i drew 12 um, so everyone, Ulamog, exile two things, and uh, Kozilek, sounds good, draw four, and, you know, just some wild spells, and then you're like, and uh, time stretch, alright, got my Ulamog, <laughs> got my my Kozilek, we're gonna get in there, so that was kind of what I assumed this deck was gonna look like too, and the, the combo also is pretty nuts, you know, like if you can end up in a situation where you're like, untapping a temple bell like a million times like that also is obviously a win condition mm-hmm. um so yeah not, the deck runs mind over matter so you can yeah. make that happen for sure mm-hmm. um so this honestly this guy seems like crazy powerful to me and the fact that like the front side is just a regrow for enchantments means that your mind over matter your like teferi's ageless insights you know your whatever thing that you need. Oh, yeah. Your enchantment based combo pieces, you can get it back if you need to. Mm-hmm. If he dies for whatever reason and stuff. So I I think this is another one where they they were firing on all cylinders with the legends in this set, like really, really hitting it home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah, this is a sweet one. I there was like a a time when I was thinking like, oh, if I had let's say I had five life and I had a second chance and I had a blink engine and I had like a flash granter so I could cast second chance during my end step. Like <laughs> that's awesome. There, uh, there was, I was trying to make the front half work, but yeah, the second half is just so busted on this card. I know it's, it is really kind of seems like to me, like that is what you're trying to do. And it's three mana, three and two life, you know, to flip them. So it's not really that they, they, they wanted you to like, do that <laughs> like they, they wanted it to be as easy as possible um so oh man speaking of as easy as possible oh yeah let's get into it uh so this next one is hitsugu and kairi uh this is two blue blue black so five mana for a five four legendary creature 
Ogre Demon Dragon. Um, it has flying, and when Hijitsuku and Kairi enters the battlefield, draw three cards, then put two cards from your hand on top of your library in any order. When Hidetsugu and Kairi dies, exile the top card of your library. Target opponent loses life equal to its mana value. If it's an instant or sorcery card, you may cast it without paying its mana cost. Um, Time stretch. <laughs> <laughs> or, like, enter the infinite. Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah, so... You can, I mean, you're in really, really good colors for tutoring, um, for tutoring spells. So you can either just like, you know, use a vampiric tutor and put the enter the infinite on top, or you can use like a demonic tutor and get into your hand and then like cast Hidetsugu and Kairi to, and then brainstorm putting the enter the infinite on top of your library. And then you just sacrifice, sacrifice Hidetsugu and Kairi and, draw your entire library and if you can't <laughs> figure out a way to win from there then i'm well we're not going to do the work for you <laughs> that's so funny no this one definitely is one of the ones where i had to read it twice because i was like for real <laughs> like yeah you, you're making it real easy for me are you sure this yeah <laughs> for free like i i i i'm not sure you uh you meant to do that did you did you really just for free? Like, come on, <laughs> I really uh, don't have too much to say. This guy's wild, you know, or these mm-hmm. guys. It's just great. Five, it's five mana. It's five mana for a five, four flyer that gives you added, but just wild, just crazy. Yeah. Uh, seems uh, like an easy route to win the game. And I think we can move on from there. You want me to read off this next one? Uh, sure. Go ahead. Yeah, so this is another flip commander. This is Rona, Herald of Invasion. So she gets a non-uncommon <laughs> legend this time. So Rona, Herald of Invasion, is a 1-3 human wizard for 2 mana, 1 and a blue. Uh, legendary creature human wizard, but I figured you all know that because we're talking about commander. Um, whenever you cast a legendary spell, untap Rona, Herald of Invasion. Uh, she has tap, draw a card, then discard a card. So you get a two mana, one three looter that untaps when you cast legendary spells. And then she has five Phyrexian black, transform Rona, activate only as a sorcery. They pretty much all do that. Uh, all the ones with the Phyrexian activation. So for five and two life or six mana, five and a black, you can transform her into Rona, Talarian Obliterator, which is a five five Phyrexian wizard with trample. That says whenever a source deals damage to Rona, Talarian Obliterator, that source's controller exiles a card from their hand at random. If it's a land card, you may put it on the battlefield under your control. Otherwise, you may cast it without paying its mana cost. Um, that's so funny. <laughs> like, it's so funny. So, like, obviously, like, in Limited, that's very good, right? Like, you're looting a bunch, and then you get to six or five, and you're like, okay, now I have a thing that just wrecks your day. But, like, the front half is so much more compelling in Commander than the back half. It's wild. Yeah. I mean, I like both halves of this card, but I think that the plenty to do with just the first half as like, I'm going to set up my graveyard. I'm in good colors for reanimation. Um, like, that seems pretty good. Just like dropping a Jenga Taxius in the yard and then casting Animate Dead or something. That in itself is fine. Uh, I, I tried to like, force the like casting a legendary spell to untap it and 
it, it's something that like I wouldn't go out of my way to do. It's not like I'm going to try to run 40 legendary spells in this deck. It's more that like it would make me more likely to run like Mox Amber or something. Uh, just oh, things yeah. that, that are already sense. yeah, things that are already useful rather than I'm going to fit everything I possibly can in here. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think this is like a reanimator deck, mostly. If you want to build around the back half, you can run like Pestilence Effects, uh, Thrashing Wumpus, and make it so that um, you are basically like casting spells for a severe discount from your own hand. Um, I know they were nice and let you, like if you deal a damage, like you get to do the thing too. Yeah. Um, the only thing I would worry about is, I mean, I guess you can get around this by like the timing of when you activate your pestilence. Um, but there's, this is just like a very reactive color pair. So you want to be like maybe activating your pestilence in response to your opponent's spells. If you have like counter spells in your hand so that you can still cast them, like still have a target for them when you cast them for free off of Rona. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, okay. I don't have too much more to say about Rona, but I'm very excited about the next one. Uh, are you yeah, okay to move on? Uh, so this is yeah, Ayara. <laughs> this is Ayara widow of the realm. It's one black black for a 3-3 legendary creature, Elf Noble. She has tap, sacrifice another creature or artifact. Ayara deals X damage to target opponent or battle, and you gain X life, where X is the sacrificed permanence mana value. She also has five and Phyrexian red, so it's, you know five and two life, or five and a red. Transform Ayara, activate only as a sorcery. And the back half is... Ayara Furnace Queen, which is a 4-4 legendary creature Phyrexian Elf Noble. At the beginning of combat on your turn, return up to one target artifact or creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. It gains haste. Exile it at the beginning of the next end step. The first ability, or like the first half of the card, um, I don't really care about at all. Um, But the back half, like, screams combo potential. So if you've got Ayara Furnace Queen on the battlefield and like any sack outlet, then any creature that gives you extra combat steps like uh, Godo or Bloodthirster or Combat Celebrant or Port Razor or Scourge of the Throne, um, any of those creatures uh, will basically grant you infinite combat steps. And the way it's going to work is like, okay, Ayara returns Combat Celebrant from my graveyard to the battlefield. Um, I'm going to attack with it and exert. Um, and then uh, when I when I, when I do, I untap it and all of their creatures I control and I get an additional combat phase next. Um, so either if they block it, fine. Their creature has four damage marked on it. If they don't block it and they just take the damage, then you just sacrifice it to your sack outlet. Um, but then the next combat step begins. Ayara triggers again. She brings back combat, combat Celebrant again. You do the same thing. You exert it. And, you know, even if they have blockers, eventually there's going to be enough damage marked on them that they all die. And then they die. Um, and you win the game. So I think that, like, that that's, that's how I would try to build around this. Um, there's 
certainly like a critical mass of sacrifice outlets in this color identity. Um, and even though there's only like five creatures that do the thing, you're in black, you can entomb them, you can unmarked grave, you can bear it alive, or you can just like tutor them and cast them and sacrifice them, whatever. Um, so this seems, you know, it's it's got a strong win condition for you. Um, and that seems pretty tight. And of course, you can just get value out of the the returning things to combat and sacrificing them, yada, yada. I love how she just was, I, I didn't know that much about her character, but I learned a lot about it with this card because mm-hmm. she just was like, yeah, I don't really care if I'm Phyrexianized as long as I get to just kill people. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. I wonder, really- yeah, I like the idea that like, she's, you know, uh, so the, like the story line for her is that, she constantly is getting married and then killing her spouses. And then I like that when she's Frexian, she just has like one last roll in the hay with like all of her, her old lovers before they're gone forever. Yeah. It's pretty funny before they're just burned up for, for eternity or whatever. (laughs) It's pretty silly. Um, But yeah, I I think you hit the nail on the head. Like this is a pretty crazy combo deck. If you want to do that. Um, I think other than that, it's just like a generic kind of, Rakdos reanimator Rakdos sacrifice deck like the front half too like if you do end up having like the furnace queen die um casting Ariara before you transform her and just like hitting somebody for like X life might just be enough to like win the game so like you're not super upset if she dies like too often you know so just good they just keep keep hitting it hitting it home with these guys like it's just a good good solid magic card Mm -hmm. um speaking of good solid magic card um well this one actually is like (laughs) this one's interesting um and uh do you want do you mind if i read them off go for them off so this is rankle and torbran so this is a another rakdos commander rankle and torbran costs five mana one black black red red uh, and they are a 3-4 legendary creature, fairy dwarf. Um, they have flying, first strike, and haste. And whenever Rankle and Torbran deal combat damage to a player or battle, choose any number of the following. Each player creates a treasure token. Each player sacrifices a creature. Or if a source would deal damage to a player or battle this turn, it deals that much damage plus two instead. So you get a 3-4 for five. Again, one black, black, red, red for Rankle and Torbran um, that has this like on hit ability, much like Rankle did. But how do you, what, what's going on here? What are you going to do with this guy? So uh, I think the first strike is really cute on this card because it makes it so that if you um, hit during first strike damage and like choose the last ability, the like adding plus two to your damage. Uh, then it means that all your non-first striking creatures are going to get that buff. So I was thinking that uh, this makes a lot of sense as like a token go wide kind of commander. Um, I hit with my commander, all my other guys get plus two plus O. Oh, and then if you have a bunch of tokens, then you can also get more value out of the like each player sacrifices a creature. You're going to throw away a crappy goblin while your opponents are going to sacrifice like a real creature. Um I also like the ability or um 
I like the idea of granting him double strike with like a blood mist or something um, so that you can choose to like um, so that you can choose multiple modes. Um, extra combat steps also seem fun. Like I, I choose the like plus two damage mode on my first combat. Then I do another combat and then get maybe another plus two plus O for my non first striking creatures. Uh, just seems really strong. Like Savage Beating is literally a one hit KO. Um, yeah, because, so <laughs> yeah, uh, because you're gonna deal three, then five, then seven, then nine. Uh, and that is enough. You've crossed the, th- the threshold there. <laughs> um, so seems like a, a fun commander. Um, definitely like solid damage output a little bit of board control um i don't think i would ever choose the treasure mode but whatever it's flavor text well you can you can i mean if you want you know it's free you you hit them you get a treasure if you if you want you know but then i give i'm giving away treasures i would (laughs) so much rather i would so much rather like make everyone suffer and find ways to make me suffer a little bit less than like give everyone things that's so much harder to undo yeah i i know this about you <laughs> I feel like <laughs> listeners know this about you too um yeah no it, it's i i agree too though with the card overall like the, there's actually a lot of things to do here and the puzzle of like how can i hit them and then hit them again is actually pretty fun to solve for uh you and the team so uh this one is one of the unlikely pairs that i like a lot for that reason um because not only is saying rankle and torbrand like kind of fun and funny but like mm-hmm. actually just doing what they're trying to do is like a fun exercise and you get to attack get in there you're very proactive um very very similar to this next very proactive commander if that's a uh, okay for me to segue go for it so uh we are into the gruel commanders now and this first one is atali primal conqueror so Atali Primal Conqueror is a 7-7 seven, seven Elder Dinosaur with Trample for 7. So 5 Red Red. Finally learned how to step on top of people. Um, <laughs> and has just this doozy of an ETB. So when Atali Primal Conqueror enters the battlefield, each player exiles cards from the top of their library until they exile a non-land card. You may cast any number of spells from among the non-land cards exiled this way without paying their mana costs. So Instead of an attack trigger, you get a 7-7 trample with an ETB. You know, pretty fair trade. But wait, there's more. Um, has an activated ability of 9 Phyrexian Green. Transform Atali, activate only as a sorcery. So for 9 and 2 life, or the low, low cost of 9 and a green, you transform Atali into Atali Primal Sickness, which is a Phyrexian Elder Dinosaur. Uh, they are an 11-11 with Trample and Indestructible that says whenever Atali Primal Sickness deals combat damage to a player, they get that many poison counters. So it's not infect. Not infect. Don't get mad. It's inf- not infect. <laughs> um, yeah, wow. There's a... It's, it's a lot of dino going on. <laughs> I, I really wish that like, a different crater had had touched Atali 
because green red is the color identity with like the least ability to abuse that ETB trigger. Um, whereas like imagine if he was red white or blue red or even like black red, you could use like the Malakir rebirths type stuff because that's what I really want to be doing. I really want to be getting this ETB trigger a million times. Um, but I just can't do it in this color identity. It's too hard. Like there's only like a handful of heat shimmer effects. Um, there's just not that many ways to abuse a powerful ETB in a freaking oh, green wanna, red color identity. You don't want to spend nine with your tumor saber tooth every turn. Just yeah. The rest of the game. Yes, that's exactly. No, <laughs> um, <laughs> this is, uh, it's hard to break. Uh, I, I mean, it certainly is going to get a lot of value when it enters the battlefield. I love that um, it filters away the land cards because that is by far the most disappointing thing. I don't know about you, but when I attack with the first Itali, Itali 1.0, I think my my hit rate for lands is probably like 75%. Uh, so just getting those off the top, getting rid of that disappointment is pretty nice. Yeah, um, I actually was going to... Yeah, like when... I don't run Atali anymore just because I know that like it might be unreasonable, but I just feel like I've never hit more than two spells in my entire life <laughs> with an Atali trigger. So I'm way more into this version of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it is, I think like the back half of the card is a joke. Um, I'm not going to pay nine mana for, for this. Like, we already have a mechanic for, you know, killing people faster than their starting life total would suggest. Uh, and it's called commander damage. And that's actually seems like a way better route to victory with a Tali. Cause like, okay, I hit him. All, all I really have to do is like, I give him haste somehow. It's not that hard in red. And then, so I hit somebody for seven and then next turn I just give him double strike. And then that'll, be the full 21 like he's got seven power to start with i don't need to go through this like pseudo infect nonsense and pay nine freaking mana for it i mean indestructible is cool though i'll give him that but might have already yes. paid seven mana for com my commander i'm not going to pay 16 mana for a blight steel that's absolutely ridiculous yeah i think it's kind of um like a late game like it's if I was going to build a Tali, I would not be focusing on that, but it would be the kind of thing where like, oh, you have how many blockers? <laughs> you know, like, hmm, well, person who is open, uh, to have about 11 dinosaur. <laughs> that that seems worth it to me, but I'm, I'm not going to plan on that, you know? Yeah. Um, um, which gets us to the next commander, I think. Oh man, is this even a commander? Um, it's <laughs> it's Kogla and Yudaro. It is two red, red, green, green. So six mana for a seven, seven legendary creature, ape, dinosaur, turtle. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, choose one. It gains trample and haste until end of turn, or it fights target creature you don't control. And then it also has two red, green, discard Kogla and Yudaro, destroy up to one target artifact or enchantment. Shuffle Kogla and Yudaro into your library from your graveyard, then draw a card. Um, geez. Uh, 
there's a lot I don't like about this card. Um, <laughs> so it's got an ETB trigger in a color identity that can't like blink it or copy it very well. Uh, it's got a discard ability that doesn't work from the command zone. Uh, this is just like obviously not designed with commander in mind. I think they worked way too hard to try to um I think they worked way too hard to try to like uh reference the original two cards with this like, you know, shuffling into your library and drawing a card. Um or finding something, but it's like you could have picked like any two characters, you know, you could have, I I get you want to complete the cycle, but like there are so many red characters and so many green characters out there. It didn't have, the card didn't have to look like this. You could have made a cool commander instead of a card. That's like absolutely, mm, I'm not going to say, I mean, it's not unplayable in commander, but just like half the card doesn't work. And the card and the part of the card that does work just like, isn't very effective. Um, I'm very low on this commander. How do you feel? No, I feel the same way. I think that um, if you wanted a six mana seven seven with haste, then you can do that some other way. If you wanted a six mana seven seven that fights when it enters, we have a few of those and or just cards in main decks that do that. So like both of those are not exciting build around like mechanics so um yeah i was hoping to see kogla with like a human i think they saw like ape dinosaur turtle and were like something stirred inside of the design team that they could get that all on a type line and they forgot all reason and yeah isn't the whole like one thing they really emphasized during Aquaria was like these bonders where it's like a human bonding with some big old monster. Why not focus if you're gonna like do a team up card on Akoria, isn't that what you would want to highlight? Like they literally literally they literally brought back partner with specifically <laughs> to emphasize that in the Akoria commander decks. So it's weird yeah. not to do that on your like team up well, card. I, yeah, the the thing about these team up cards is they they specifically were like, what is the like what are the most unlikely team ups to make sure that people know that this is a dire situation? Oh, okay, all right. That's one fair. of Mara's uh, articles, yeah. So specifically, I think that's why, but it's still unsatisfying, you know. Like, mm-hmm. I get that these two cards are mechanically distinct, and like smashing them together was probably fun. Um, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and that said, um, can I read off this next commander? Yes. So this is Pelucranos Reborn. So this is a 4-5 Hydra for green, green, green. Just three mana. Uh, uh, Pelucranos Reborn has Reach and six and a Phyrexian White. Transform Pelucranos. Activate only as a sorcery. So again, uh, for six and two life or six and a white mana, you can transform at sorcery speed into Pelucranos Engine of Ruin, uh, which is a 6-6 Reach lifelink. Uh, Phyrexian Hydra, if, just, just to reiterate that. Whenever Pelucranos, Engine of Ruin, or another non-token Hydra you control dies, create a 3-3 green and white Phyrexian Hydra creature token with reach, and a 3-3 green and white Phyrexian Hydra creature token with lifelink. 
Um, I don't care about a four five reach for three necessarily, and the hydra tribal on this is hilarious. There's nothing about this that makes me want to jam a bunch of hydras in my deck. Like, I really wish this was like whenever a Phyrexian died, you'd get a three three with reach and a three three lifelink. You know? Yeah, but that'd be cool. Instead, we have this. So I don't know. What do you? How do you feel about this? Uh, I'm also like very low on this. Um, like white is such a weird color, right? Or white green is such a weird color identity for Hydra tribal. Like white adds almost nothing. Um, and if you're trying to do Hydra tribal, this is just like way worse than Gargos anyway. Um, I don't understand the point of this card is how I feel. I will say like, okay, one thing you could do is there's a lot of hydras that are like zero zeros for like X green green or whatever, or X green, blah, blah, blah. Um, you could just play all those X cost hydras and then play them for zero. So they immediately die. And so you're basically like you pay one mana, get two, three threes. So like that kind of mana discount, I think would be appealing if I hadn't just spent nine mana to yeah. <laughs> make this happen. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. Nine mana and two life to cast my hydras for one green to get two token hydra. I don't know. That doesn't seem super <laughs> super yeah. good. And then yeah. they just kill this again, and you have to spend uh, eleven. So yeah, that's brutal. Yeah, pretty, pretty awful. So anyway, let's get on to the next one then. <laughs> sure. Um, this next one is Galta and Mavrin. It is three green, green, white, white for a 12-12 legendary creature, Dinosaur Vampire. It has Trample, and whenever you attack, choose one. Create a tapped and attacking XX green dinosaur creature token with Trample, where X is the greatest power among other attacking creatures. Or create X one one white vampire creature tokens with lifelink, where X is the number of other attacking creatures. If you want to go tall, then this helps you go tall. If you want to go wide, this helps you go wide. Um, but really, like, I mean, it's a 12 12 trampler and you're in a white color identity, so you can just give this guy double strike and kill people. Yeah, I think you can also overwhelming stampede and kill people. You know, yeah, there's so many ways to, to kill people. <laughs> uh, yeah, this seems like you're you're just trying to kill people, and that's that's fine. Good for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if there's a whole lot of, of tricky stuff you can do with this. I mean, both the the wide and tall card draw is good with this commander. Um, eh, that's it. Yeah, yeah the. The lifelink is pretty good if you're going wide, but the tall, I feel like if you're going tall, just kill him. <laughs> yeah. Just, just hit him, new to him. Get him. Um, all right. Well, we have one uh, Orzov commander. This is Drana and Linvala. Uh, so Drana and Linvala are a 3-4, a legendary creature, vampire angel for four mana, one white, white, black. Uh, they have flying and vigilance. And activated abilities of creatures your opponent's control can't be activated. And Drana and Linvala has all activated abilities of all creatures your opponent's control. You may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to activate those abilities. Um, Alright, so I got a 
flying beat stick creature hoser in my command zone. Um, what do you put in this deck? Yeah, what do I do? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what to do. (laughs) Yeah, like this doesn't provide any direction for the deck, it's just fully about what your opponents are doing, and yeah, you could easily just like not accomplish anything with this commander you could easily just like shuffle it up and then find out oh my opponents like aren't running mana dork they aren't running like utility creatures with activated abilities so my commander is just like a three four flying vigilance for four mana (laughs) um yeah i mean in some metagames it's going to be very very good um but in some cases it could do like literally nothing and that's not i think compelling commander i think i would have much preferred this just be like a non-legendary creature and we get something else in this slot but the reference but the reference (laughs) i agree with you um this next one is our first of the golgari commanders this is glissa herald of predation so I literally did not expect to get this many glisses, you know, like this is the fourth one now at this point, like crazy. Yeah, anyway, it's a lot. Glissa, Herald of Predation, uh, a three, five Phyrexian zombie elf for five mana, three black green. Uh, Glissa has at the beginning of combat on your turn, choose one incubate two twice. So you get two incubate tokens with two plus one plus one counters on them. Transform all incubate uh, incubator to the transform all incubator tokens you control or Phyrexians you control gain first strike and death touch until end of turn. Um, so yeah, you get a doozy of a combat trigger. Um, your choice, you know, dealer's choice. What do I, what does this deck do? (laughs) What am I doing here? So, um, I probably should have like talked about this a bit when we were going over Elish Norn because she mentions Incubate, but you know there's so much text on that card. You'll, you'll forgive me if I didn't get to all of it. Um, but let's just talk about Incubate for a second. Um, how do you feel about the Incubate mechanic in Commander in general? Um, I'm low on it. I feel like there are... Okay, no, I'm not low on it. So it's the, I feel the same way I feel about Incubate as I did about food, um, which is like, oh, free artifact token? Nice. Um, so if you can give me Incubate at a good rate, I don't really care about transforming them. Mm-hmm. But if I can Incubate enough, like there is one card in the set we're not going to talk about now that I actually, I think it's the only Incubate card that I like. Um, and we'll talk about it then, but it's just oh, like but the numbers. You don't even get the Incubate token on that one. <laughs> Oh, oh, wait, for real? Oh, we'll talk about it later. Um, <laughs> breaking my heart here. Um, so, like, I, I really just, as long as they give it to me at a good rate, I'm fine with it. But, like, the idea that these are creatures is kind of laughable to me. Like, you're going to give me this thing and then, like, make me pay for it? Like, what? What? It's like when someone hands you a CD in, like, a parking lot. And they're like, yeah, this is my cool new mixtape. And you're like, oh, cool, thanks, man. And they're like, so give me 10 bucks for it. And you're like... What you like? This is entrapment. <laughs> this is entrapment. Yeah, you, you handed it to me. Like I don't want to pay more. So I I don't feel like I ever really want to spend two to flip my incubate token into a two two. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, if like I just 
when we go through the set, maybe I'll bring it up again. I'll probably forget. But if you can just get enough incubate in green black, like that second one might be fine. You know, you just like for on the cheap, make a I'm bunch gonna turn of... all my fake creatures into real creatures. That's what my commander yeah. does. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know well, if that's I mean, enough if of comes... a reward to if, anyway. if it comes at a good enough rate, you know, like if you're getting enough of them, which I don't think there is a good enough rate at this point, but um that would have been a cool deck. Um, had they pushed that a little, a little more, but um, yeah. Okay. Here's my reason why I didn't bring it up with Elish Norn because Elish Norn like completely sidestepped the issue of like, wow, oh, I yeah. don't want to pay two mana for these guys. Well, with Elish Norn, you don't because she transformed all your anchor. Yeah. You just get them. Yeah. Uh, they could have just been like create five, two, two Phyrexians and that would have, it's, it's the same thing. I mean, got other incubate tokens i guess but whatever um i i also really dislike incubate um it like tokens are fine in commander especially like in color identities that can sacrifice them for value but putting this gate where i have to pay mana before my sack fodder is like you know ready for the stage um no, that's terrible. I don't want to do that. Just I would much rather have just like a one-one insect token, a one-one pest token, um, a one-one mite token. Just give me something that doesn't require extra work. With a lot of my tokens, I'm already doing the work, either pumping them up to a respectable size or like using an, an engine to convert them into some other resource. Okay, I'm doing lots of work. You're going to put an extra step in front of all that where I have to pay mana to get them in fighting shape. Please no, I don't want this. Um, and so I'm inclined to just like ignore the first two abilities on Glissa Herald of Predation um, and just look at Phyrexians you control getting first strike and death touch until end of turn. It's like, well, I'm in green. I can just put like lure effects on my Phyrexians and they'll kill all of my opponent's untapped creatures. Um, but honestly, if I'm trying to do that, like I could have just played Glissa the Traitor, who costs two less mana, um, and also has this this amazing ability where you Mindslaver lock people. I guess what I'm saying is I'm low on this new Glissa. Uh, <laughs> I hate that she tries to make words. me play with bad set mechanic. <laughs> it's also like there's not a lot of extra combats in these colors you know like black green gets most things but it doesn't get extra combats so um you're it's not like you're able to like first combat get an incubate second combat free guys you know like anything like that so really what you're doing is just playing phyrexians and putting a lure on them and then attacking which is i don't know maybe that's compelling for somebody but you know who is really compelling no, huh? Huh? <laughs> is this this next commander, uh, which is I'm I am gonna say this is probably like one of my favorite cards in the whole set. Are, are you sure you want to read this one off? It's really long. Uh, I know there's a gonna, lot. It's gonna take a while. Yeah, sorry everybody, but this is Yargle and Multani. So just bear with me for a second. Costs six mana, so three black, black, green for a legendary creature, Frog Spirit Elemental. Um, so Yargle and Multani is an 18-6. So uh, just an 18-6 for six. Boom. <laughs> Let's 
That's it. I never want to see a Yargle with text on it. If there is a Yargle on a card, it better be a vanilla. Please, Wizards, don't ruin this for me. It's all I'm asking. Um, I'm actually asking for a lot of stuff, so that's a lot. But, um, yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> like, like, it works so... It's in the perfect color identity for everything you would want to do with this. So, do you want to get into some of the tech for this? Yeah, I mean, obviously, when you've got enormous power like this and nothing else, um, your mind goes straight to Voltron. So, I mean... All you need to do is like give it evasion and plus three power and it's a one shot. So not very difficult. And then it's it's nice that you have a green color identity so you can do all the power based card draw like Voltron. I don't even know if Voltron is necessary because you can just like if you return to the wild speaker, if you resolve like a Rishkar's expertise or something, I think you just win the game. Like you just draw like you draw 18 cards What the like. People usually, you know, have to go through a lot more trouble to do that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like that that's normally that's a chore. <laughs> yeah. You know, but in this case you spent five. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, just get a quarter or like a, a fifth of your deck for five mana. Uh the low low cost of a green instant. <laughs> yeah, I think and the thing is like you want like fast mana anyway so you can get yargle out sooner so when you draw like 18 cards uh and a bunch of it is fast mana you can probably just like cast another one of these effects and just keep the chain going and and just i think you're just comboing off just having this much power is all you really need to to get the combo going i guess obviously we don't have a whole lot to say about the 18-6 vanilla creature all right, next up we have Inga and Essica. This is two blue-green for a 4-4 legendary creature, Human God. Creatures you control have Vigilance and tap, add one mana of any color. Spend this mana only to cast a creature spell. It also has, whenever you cast a creature spell, if three or more mana from creatures was spent to cast it, draw a card. Um, so this is... Kind this kind of does like everything for you. Like it, it provides mana and it provides cards. And really, what you just got to do is like, if you have haste graners, if you have like intruder alarm, especially seems really good in this deck. Intruder alarm is two and a blue for an enchantment. Creatures don't untap during their controllers untap steps. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield, untap all creatures. So if you have intruder alarm, you just like. Tap your creatures to cast a creature, and then when that creature comes in, you untap your guys and you draw a card, presumably. Um, so it's just like a really easy engine. Uh, it's it's not the easiest card to tutor out in like a blue green color identity, um, but like the haste grainers go really far. There's a couple, like three ish mana. Um, uh, like mana dorks that tap for a bunch of mana. So I'm thinking like Somberwald Sage, Lanoir Tribe, um, Circle of Dreams Druid, uh, and then like, oh, what's her name? Um, Silvala Explorer Returned. Or sorry, Hel- mm-hmm. Silvala Heart of the Wilds. Um, yeah. So if you have like Haste Grainers, any of those are like 
you know, they draw a card when they enter and they're mana neutral. Um, so this, just, I mean, this seems like a creature ball combo deck. Like I would run Guardian Project. I would run Beast Whisperer. I would run the Great Henge. I would run similar effects. Um, and then like Concordant Crossroads, Lightning Greaves, just Thousand Year Elixir. Just make it so that like I'm drawing a bunch of cards. I'm tapping my guys for mana. Um, and like I am also I would also try to fit in just like things that I mean like cantrip creatures even like crappy ones like I would I would probably run like merchant of secrets just like three mana for a one one when an ETBs draw a card um I maybe that's maybe that's too greedy but <laughs> I really just want to like churn through my deck um and there's things that like can act as rituals like if you have you know vitalize dramatic reversal uh, mobilize those can sort of reset your guys and let you dig further it's kind of like non-deterministic combo um but it just seems like really powerful and then you just end the game with a crater huff or something mm-hmm. no i mean that's this seems like i've been kind of praising them for their recent designs for blue green and i think that like the first part of this the creatures you control have vigilance and like the isica like text is really cool and you can do a lot with that but the just whenever you cast a creature like draw is like okay okay because then you're just doing you're just doing the same thing as every other like simic that you're like I, I make mana and I cast creatures and draw cards and I make mana and I cast creatures and draw cards. So I think this is going to be good. I think this will be strong and like flow pretty well. I think the fact that it's three mana from creatures is funny and cool, but um, that's not super novel. I feel like this is going to play like a lot of, uh, of decks people might have used before. Um, that being said, there are some ways to like, goof i think because you can make um well not actually that many i think you just have mana reflection um and the one i actually have to double check the wording on the ley line oh a ley line of abundance is that right yeah ley line of abundance uh whenever you tap a creature for mana add an additional green yeah so it really is only like mana reflection and uh the what's his face the Nyx Bloom Ancient are the only ways to mm-hmm. cheat and have like one creature provide most of the mana <laughs> to draw the card. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, you can just run like guys that tap for more. Um, yeah, that's but, true too. Um, yeah, let me a canopy tactician. Uh, this is kind of solidifying what I was saying earlier um, about Jingataxius, just like them mm-hmm. knowing that if you make it so that like, um, you cast thing, draw a card. You're then that just incentivizes playing the cheapest things. Well, here's another commander that's like putting that three mana threshold on it to ensure you're not just playing a bunch of one drops. You're, you're yeah, actually you have to get further into the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like we're they're going to make it a little bit harder for you to just vomit your library onto the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, there there are. I mean, these days you can flavor to taste. Some of this stuff, like you're saying, you're playing some of the cantrip creatures in this deck. I don't think that's bad. 
like at all. I think that's good. Um, you could run a little more protection if you need your like uh, heroic interventions and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could run those if you need your. Uh, you want more win cons, perhaps you could play more yeah. of those. Like there, there's a bunch of ways to flavor this, but it's this is like I recognize how good this commander is, but it's just really not appetizing to me compared to like. <laughs> What we'd seen them do with Simic Commanders lately. Which you don't want to draw cards and play like Solitaire? I'm doing that so much. I do that <laughs> so much. <laughs> like, give me, give me something a little more, like, a little zesty, you know? Like, this was like the, the, like, you go and you get the spaghetti with meatballs every week. And then for a while, it was like, ooh, we're, we're switching it up. We're getting the lasagna. And then they're like, what if we have, sp- like, fettuccine with meatballs? And you're like, that's kind of like the... All right. Last thing <laughs> I guess said, yeah. <laughs> I guess I guess I mean I'm I know what exactly what I'm going to be getting but uh it still <laughs> tastes good, you know. It's like not not really a problem. Cool. Then let's uh can I read off this next one? Go for it. So this next duo is Baral and Karizev. So they are uh, a 2/4 legendary creature human for 3 mana, 1 blue red. They have first strike, they have menace. And whenever you cast your first instant or sorcery spell each turn, you may cast a spell with lesser mana value that shares a card type with it from your hand without paying its mana cost. If you don't, create First Mate Ragavan, a legendary 2-1 red monkey pirate creature token. It gains haste until end of turn. Um, I don't know. That's whatever. I mean, th- so first off, that's very strong. Like the Rajmi, like play style of like because it's whenever you cast your first instant or sorcery spell each turn so you get one on everybody's turn instants are very good um so you're going to be accruing a decent amount of value like if you can hold up mana to play on everybody's turn then your turn is four turns long instead of just one um but yeah i will yeah well (laughs) i'm not super interested in this is basically what i'm leading to (laughs) Yeah, honestly, I don't think the deck would be significantly different if it didn't have the word sorcery on it. Um, Mm -hmm. Because it's like when you cast your first blah, 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 this or each turn, which means like, yeah, like you mentioned, you want to be triggering it on your opponent's turns as well. So you're probably triggering it with instance. So like, I I think you just want a super high density of like instant speed interaction. and then like instant speed cantrips. But it but even then it's you know, it doesn't really hurt your deck to put in like counterspell and arcane denial and delay and, and disdainful stroke, whatever. All these cheap or like a braid, um, all these cheap red and blue interactive spells. Uh and then in order to get your value, yeah, you need something that costs less. And yeah, there's Pungify and Rapid Hybridization, but I think you got to fill out the one drops with just like cantrips. But if you're doing yeah. that, then like the value is just kind of like, well, I get, you know, maybe four mana over the course of a round of turns if I'm willing to pay eight, um, which is, I don't know, it's not amazing. Um, and you will run out of like, cheaper spells eventually and unfortunately because ragavan is legendary you can't double up on those you can use like skull clamp to turn 
Ragavan into cards on your turn at least. What do you think about maybe just like use um what you call it? Use uh what's the the new coalition relic or the new um paddle? The new uh Oh the um Relic of Legends? <laughs> Why can't I think of it? It's not tal- is Relic it tal- of Legends? Uh, yeah, Relic of Legends. Okay. Um so you can use Relic of Legends, maybe like um Phyrexian Altar, and then you can kind of make your spells free. Cause like let's say you don't have anything, you don't have any one drops in your hand. You just have a whole bunch of like two cost counter spells. So on opponent A's turn, you cast counter spell, you make a Ragavan. On opponent B's turn, you tap the Ragavan to, to Relic of Legends, sack it to Phyrexian Altar, pay for some other counter spell, make a new Ragavan. Um, that could be okay. Even if you don't have both of them, just like making, essentially making all your spells one cheaper is not terrible. Although this seems like this might be a lot of work compared <laughs> to just running like a uh, Goblin Electromancer or something. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, like, I just built a uh, Magnus the Red, and it did exactly what I wanted, which was this, but at uh, an incredibly more efficient <laughs> raid. <laughs> you, like, drop Magnus, and then you're just turbocharged through the rest of the game. This seems like a lot of work to get a monkey, you know? <laughs> there's yeah. There's better things you could be doing. But I don't know if that play pattern, if you were like, my red, well, I don't actually know if this would be less mean than Rashmi, but um, probably be pretty mean because you're do- doing counter in, spells. You're doing I would say it's, I would say it's draw. less mean. I would say it's less mean because worse colors. Oh. Like getting che- <laughs> getting cheesed by a blue red deck, you know, it's different than getting cheesed by a blue green deck. That is true. That is true. But only for some people. Some people are listening to us say that, and they are going to disagree heavily, even though I do agree with you. <laughs> and that's not just because I play as a deck. And then, yeah, so you can always clamp the monkey, you know? Yeah. It's, a, it's just, okay. That's fine. Um, anyway, sorry. Sorry, uh, Ragavan. Your brain must be sacrificed for further knowledge. But um, <laughs> this next one's pretty wild. Um, oh, man. Do you think... Mm-hmm. Well, uh, sorry, I just like had an image in my head of like the the chilled monkey brains from the Temple of Doom. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, go ahead though. Uh, what's our next commander? Yeah, next one, next duo is Jeru and Hazaret. So they are a five four uh, legendary creature, human god for five mana, two red, red, white. So two generic, two red, one white, one white mana. Um. As long as you have one or fewer cards in hand, Jero and Hazaret have Vigilance and Haste. Whenever Jero and Hazaret attacks, look at the top six cards of your library. You may exile a legendary creature card from among them, put it on, uh, put the rest in the bottom of your library in a random order. Until end of turn, you may cast the exiled card without paying its mana cost. So, honestly, like, so generous of them. <laughs> <laughs> to cast the spell for us just they've been so nice about that lately i don't i don't understand like they just really want the price of the eldrazi to be high forever like <laughs> so so wild anyway this is pretty good 
this is a pretty good sneak attacky commander. Um, it did bug me for a sec that like there's no indestructibility clause, but then I realized if you kill Jeru, then the duo is broken up. So it kind of made more sense, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's but yeah. How do you feel about this? Um, so anytime I, I see like, like flipping, you know, some number of cards or look at through the top X cards, of your library, um, you know, of course, I got to do the hypergeometric calculation. Uh, so uh, if you have 23 legendary creatures in your deck, uh, you get an 80% hit rate. And 31 legendary creatures gives you a 90% hit rate. Sorry, in terms of like the number of good targets, you know, obviously you want, I mean, the Eldrazi is like probably a great starting point. So I'm just trying to think like, can you fill out the deck with 23 cards can you find 23 busted um like legendary creatures to drop in so i think i think yes my get my gut feeling is that there's in boros like if you got two colors there's probably enough like stupid stuff that will just troll everybody you know at this um, point because you have three versions of Elish Norn. <laughs> so there you go. That's one, two, three. Um, you got like Adeline. You got Hikori. You know, there's yeah, okay, stupid things. All right, I, I was going. For, I was like doing a a search of like mana value greater than six. Uh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you open it up to just like Adeline, you know, I just wanted to get max value, but dropping mm, in. Yeah. Even some smaller guys are probably fine. Yeah, Av- Avison, OG, you know, mm-hmm. like cheat, cheat in some uh, Gisela, Gisela one point Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I, I feel like if you are okay, like not like wombo comboing and getting like six plus mana on the hit, then like it's pretty easy to get get some stuff going. You know, hmm. yeah, hitting um. um I guess like hitting a, a Godo would be pretty sweet or like a Morog. Mm. Actually, yeah, Morog definitely. would be really, really good. <laughs> yeah, that would be, um, be pretty good with this one. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. So uh, I guess that's a good segue into the fact that like this is really, really good with extra combat effects. Um, being able to get multiple triggers per turn can be pretty overwhelming. It's, I guess. I guess they're just it's going to be I guess I should be like setting my expectations in terms of um in terms of Winota because this is like mm. more expensive than Winota like significantly worse you only get one trigger per turn I guess if Winota gets like hated out of your metagame this is like a fairer alternative that kind yeah. of <laughs> yeah the same definitely. thing okay I I, I I agree with that. I think that like this is um not going to get banned from your local playgroup. So mm-hmm. that might be a a plus for people, you know. <laughs> How do you feel about that like first ability? Because that just seems kinda like flavor text to me. I think it's flavor text too. Like I'm not gonna try to do <laughs> Like I love discarding my hand, but there's no reason like there's not really 
like a big reason or like a lot of reanimator stuff. Um, there's not, it just doesn't shooting for that. Doesn't make sense. If it happens, it happens. But, uh, yeah, I don't really know if I want to just be sitting at one card in my hand for the whole game or like even try to sit there. Yeah. Maybe if like, would you consider running like bottled cloister or similar, or is that just like too big? Yeah, that's probably too big a risk. <laughs> yeah, let's get to the next guy. This next guy is pretty good. <laughs> sure. Uh, next up is Quintorius Loremaster. Um, so this is three red white for a three five legendary creature elephant cleric with vigilance. At the beginning of your end step, exile target non creature non land card from your graveyard. Create a three two red and white spirit creature token. And then he also has one red white tap sacrifice a spirit. Choose target card exiled with Contorius. You may cast that card this turn without paying its mana cost. If that spell would be put into a graveyard, put it on the bottom of its owner's library instead. So one thing I want to note before we really dig into this guy is that Quintorius can't get around timing restrictions of casting spells. Um, so you, so when it's worded like you may cast that card this turn, that means you still have to do it. Like, you know, if it's a sorcery or anything except an instant, you still have to do it during a main phase, um, which is kind of annoying it like significantly reduces his combo potential um you can get around that if you want to like play emergent zone or vidalcan orrery but basically like you know you have to really telegraph what you're doing with this commander so like you go to your end step and you exile i don't know insurrection out of your graveyard like Everyone has to be cool with Quintorius casting that on your next turn in order for it to happen. And because like this design doesn't use like, you know, lore counters and then like cast a spell, an exiled spell with a lore counter on it, like doesn't have any of those uh, features that would usually um, make it so that he can remember spells uh like across deaths well like basically i think what's going to happen is you spend your first couple turns setting up like ramping you like discard some haymaker spell you play quatorius you exile the haymaker spell from your graveyard and then your opponent goes well i really don't want you know the game to end on your next turn so i'm going to kill quatorius and then when you recast him he's forgotten everything he'd previously exiled mm-hmm. uh so what I'm saying is I don't think this is a competitive commander. <laughs> In so many words, yes. If you can do the thing, like get to the point where you can cast, like sack the spirit, cast the spell, and do something else once a turn, mm-hmm. then it's probably fine. But like that's kind of late game. That means you need to keep the cards flowing. That means you need to probably make spirits some other ways because getting the three two is a lot better like spirits come at just like the one one flyers the one one colorless ones they come at just incredible rates like mana to Mm -hmm. body card to body rates so i would just try to get some of those so i can keep my three twos around and then sack those to get my knowledge back but yeah you're right i think like 
the wording on it is pretty sad because you exile a spell, then he dies, and and you're just kind of sitting there like, man. <laughs> yeah, I really wanted to do that. I really wanted that extra combat or whatever it was. Hmm. So that's I don't love that element of the design. Um, something that it does work pretty well with. Uh, it does work well with Sunforger. Um, because it's after he like casts the thing from exile, it goes on the bottom of your library. So you can set it up where you're like searching something out with Sunforger, casting it with that, and then exiling it with Quintorius, casting it with Quintorius, putting it back in your library. So you can just keep looping, uh, these like instants with mana value four or less. Most of them are not that messed up. Um, or like the the messed up ones like Teferi's Protection will exile themselves. But one thing that seemed kind of fun is if you could possibly uh, find your Sundial of the Infinite, you could keep pulling out like Final Fortune or Chance for Glory and then like keep taking extra turns and using Sundial to end the turn right before you die. So there there is an opportunity for infinite turns. Um, there are a lot of equipment tutors in this color identity so you can run like a critical mass of equipment tutors get your sunforger get your final fortune or chance for glory using that um but finding the sundial infinite is trickier um Mm -hmm. anyway just a a thought on like potential combo for him um i really wanted to make mirror of fate work with this guy but uh, it seems too difficult because you like because of the timing restrictions like you basically also need to have a vidalcan orrery in order to make that thing yeah. work yeah oops but yeah i do i, I do want to say like i'm i realized i've come off as negative about quintorius but i love this like i love this guy i, I liked old quintorius i like him as a character uh i liked that he sparked spoiler alert spoiler alert um so I'm glad to, that we'll get to see more of him in other planes, hopefully. A little mm-hmm. elephant planeswalker running around. That's <laughs> kind of cute. Um, so I think this is cool. I love when they give Boros stuff to do that's not just attacking. And I think like this sack and instant and sorceries thing is pretty cool. The fact he has vigilance is cool. So I'm, I'm into him. I just... Um, they, uh, they, they keep being really careful with these Boros commanders and it's like you're not careful with the <laughs> cynic ones, cynic ones like, yeah i don't get it i would have i think i would have loved this design if they just tweaked it a tiny bit if they like yeah made it so he could remember spells across deaths and change the timing restriction so that you just get to cast the thing like whenever you activate quintorius and don't have to worry about like casting during your main phase if that's how the card worked, I would pay... I mean, I'd pay more mana for it. I don't care. Just give me the fun version of the card instead of the one where, like, I exile my Haymaker and then it's gone, and then my opponent kills my commander and it's gone forever. Yeah. That is the only thing that I'm down on. Like, usually... Like, I even like the fact that if you do get to cast the spell, it puts it on the bottom of the library. Like, that is so much better for me. Like, I'm, I'm anti-exiling yeah. things if I can help it. Um, I hate like exiling my cards as a resource unless it's doing something crazy. Um, just cause I like reusing my stuff as many times as possible. 
So the fact that he puts it on the bottom, like chef's kiss, beautiful technology there. Um, I just, yeah, I just wish that if you killed him and I had a, I don't know, savage beating or something exiled, you didn't just ruin my ability to play savage beating for the rest of the game, you know? Yeah. Oops. Oh, well. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, let's keep on moving. We're, we're into the three color commanders now. Yes. And uh, just as a reminder, we've lumped in uh, some of the, these are actually, I think, uh, pre-release promos. They are oh, officially yeah. part of like the March of the Machines commander like card set. But honestly, like you can't get them in the pre-con, so we're going to discuss them here. Yeah. Sorry. No, um, I mean, that seems like the best way. If someone has a better way to do it, let us know. But like, it seems like this is more part of the set, even though it doesn't say mom on the bottom of it. Yeah. You know? So if I can't buy this in a pre-con when I buy Mom Commander, then it's not in the pre it's not in the commander set. Like Agreed. I don't know. So all right. Uh so this first one we're gonna be talking about is Catilda and Lear. It is green, white, blue for a three three legendary creature human. Whenever you cast a human spell, target instant or sorcery card in your graveyard gains flashback until end of turn. The flashback cost is equal to its mana cost. Um, did Catilda come back from the dead? Did that happen? I don't remember. I don't remember her coming back from the dead. I I don't Apparently either. But I okay. Maybe I probably just wasn't paying enough attention during the Vow storyline. Um, I know. I just, that's how I feel too. I'm like, I felt like I read those, but I guess I missed something. Hmm. I definitely remember her dying. They put that on the cards. Yeah, that, um, that was definitely there. Okay, but uh. Act, to the mechanics of the card uh this when i saw this i was thinking like well if you have a two card combo in which both cards are creatures and at least one of them is a human then what you can do is uh, run a critical mass of creature tutors then use the first tutor to find the human half of the combo and then cast that human and then give the tutor flashback and then cast the tutor again, go get the other half of the combo and just win. So it kind of turns like any tutor into like a one card combo. And there's a whole lot of tutors in this color identity. Um, I did like a little bit of research to try to find the best options. I think the best one is a Fedo Alchemist and Unctus Grand Meditect. <laughs> That's um, pretty cool. Yeah, so Ofedo Alchemist is one to blue for a one-two human wizard. Um, he has tap, untap, target artifact or creature. And then Unctus Grand Meditect is one blue-blue for a two-four artifact creature. Uh, whenever a another blue creature you control becomes tapped, uh, draw a card, then discard a card. So with Ofedo Alchemist, you can just have it tap itself to untap itself so you can loot your entire library. Um, easiest win condition from there is Thassa's Oracle, but you're also seeing like literally your entire library, so you can win however you want. Um, and I like that because the first off, this is really cheap. Like Fedo Alchemist is two mana, Unctus is three mana, um, and it you can like split it up over multiple turns really easily. Like you can cast your Alchemist, and then the next turn when it no longer has summoning sickness find your unctus um it just splits up really well 
so that's that was my thought for how to build around this commander um i don't know if there's if you, any other ideas you wanted to to float for katilda and lear no i i think just the general game plan is pretty strong like turning there's a lot of uh i've learned this recently with a deck that i made um i think i mentioned on the show before it was uh Iktekic and uh livio and there's just a lot of humans that do like really good things that you would put mm. into a deck anyway so even if you're just building this like humans and spells you like you're gonna have a good time <laughs> like it's it's not crazy to think that you're pretty much never gonna run out of gas you're always gonna have like a reaction to something because that's one of the best most fun things to do you know is like have instance to hold up and cast your instance again so are there any humans that enter the battlefield and like immediately bounce themselves like a you know stone cloaker type of thing um i don't think so i think there's a mana gate on everything especially in bant uh i don't think there's one like that um oh no you could do uh i guess the uh ether adept can hit herself okay or you can like vencer um yeah vencer okay. stuff Oh, so yeah, uh, I guess could. yeah, I'm just wondering, like, you know, is there something where it's just basically like pay three mana, give something flashback? Um, and it looks like there's a couple way to do that. Um, all right. What's, um, oh, there's, there's also, um, oh, no, no, that's another target creature. There's someone, yeah, there's I know, like deputy of acquittals and stuff. Yeah, unfortunately, Deputy and Niambi both say another. I was like, ah. yeah, oops. <laughs> if you get both, you can loop them, I guess. But yeah, um, could be worse. But probably better just to play like either Adept or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, just make sure you get the blue, the blue up. But mm-hmm. yeah, so I I think these guys are fine. I'm not super excited about them, but hopefully someone is. Um, yeah, I I think that like what you suggested, just sort of like you know value with humans and good spells i think that's like a pretty good game like plan a for the deck i'm just gonna you know play a swords to plowshares and then play like an avacyn's pilgrim and then flashback my swords to plowshares like that is that's solid like yeah that's pretty good um and then eventually you just run into a creature tutor and like you have enough you're like you've ascent mustered the resources so that you can kind of just like go off and maybe hold some protection up. Maybe that's yeah. just like the win condition for like a, a fair human, like controlly type of deck. Yeah. That's, that's what I feel like. Like, I feel like when I see this out in, in the wild, that's what I'm going to see most of the time. Um, there might be like some like combo or something mm-hmm. in there, but, uh, that seems like the most direct route people are going to go for. Um, yeah. But yeah, I guess that said, do we want to get into another one of these, uh, these release <laughs> commander sure. deck, not commander commander deck cards. Um, yeah, yeah go so ahead and read it off. Yeah. This is Goro Goro and Satoru. Um, so some samurais and well, a samurai and a ninja for you. Uh, they are a three, four goblin human for three mana, blue, black, red. 
So Goro Goro and Satoru um, say, whenever one or more creatures you control that entered the battlefield this turn, deal combat damage to a player. Create a 5-5 red dragon spirit creature token with flying. And then uh, there's this cute little activated ability. It's one in a red. Creatures you control gain haste until end of turn. So uh, that's the joke is that like you play something, you give it haste, and then you get a dragon. Because this is basically a haste tribal, you know, in Grixis colors. Um, so play something with haste. If it hits somebody, you get a dragon. Um, Notably, it also like works pretty well with ninjutsu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Also, so you can ninjutsu something into play uh, since it entered that turn. You get the dragon, so that's that is cute. I actually do like this design for that reason. I forgot forgot that was true. I forgot that was one of the things about it. Um, but it seems fun. Seems cool. I don't know if I'm ever gonna activate him. <laughs> you know, like unless like someone has a um uh make sure I can't a sire of insanity or something and I just don't have a hand anymore and I'm just like well I guess I cast Goro Goro and Satoru and give them haste you know like I I just can't really see myself wanting to do that I'm probably just gonna either run hasty guys or ways to give haste that are like more organic like uh enchantments or artifacts or whatever um so yeah, I don't know. How do you feel? Is there any tech you wanna you wanna note for this guy or these guys? Um, one one thing. Uh, don't remember if you mentioned this, but uh, it is worth noting that even though, well, you can get up to three dragons per combat. Um, because you can get one off of each opponent, so just oh, consider yeah. splitting up your guys. Um, and then if you're, yeah. yeah, and if you're um kind of all about like getting in at your opponents, then you could also consider things like. Coastal piracy or larceny, um, just things that'll like either draw you cards when your creatures deal combat damage to your opponents, um, or make them discards, make bad thing happen, make bad things happen to them. So that's kind of how I would build around this. I'm trying to think if there's just like something that makes hasty evasive tokens. Um, there's. A lot of hasty tokens, a lot of evasive tokens, but that might be tricky. Maybe it's just, it might just be worth it to play just like some crappy guy, some like, uh, just like mm-hmm. haste, unblockable. Oh, there's, the, there's a pirate like, that I run in um, my red blue pirate deck every now and then. It's like Stormfleet Sprinter. It's just a 2-2 two, mm-hmm. two haste unblockable for three. Like, that seems fine. <laughs> you know, like. At three mana, get a two two unblockable and a five five dragon. Like, seems good, you know. Like, just dorky little haste dudes that are actually secretly five five dragon seems like fine to me. No, that's solid. Um, yeah, just I'm just thinking like, how do you continue to get the the buff or, or like the token on subsequent turns? Um, oh yeah, I you guess, just have to bounce them somehow, probably right. Or, or, yeah, you can't really you can't blink them that easily. Like mass blink in this color identity, there's not a whole lot of it. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess like ninj- ninjutsu does solve that problem a little bit in that you can just like cycle your ninjutsu guys. Um, oh, that's true. You can <laughs> yeah, as long as they can get through unblocked. Yeah, yeah. Um, or I guess just like 
you know, have things like Goblin, Goblin Rabble Master or Legion Warboss that make hasty tokens every turn. Yeah, there, there's ways to do it. It seems like an interesting deck. Definitely like a unique card pool. We haven't really seen, like, we haven't seen a ton of haste tribal. We saw something similar in red green in the um, the 40k precons, but this is, I think, like changing up the color identity uh, and changing up the reward makes this pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. Um, that's it. Let's, I guess, let's get to another one of these uh, shard commander commanders. Uh, so. This one is Slimefoot and Squee. This is a fungus goblin. <laughs> it's actually really <laughs> funny to say out loud. So Slimefoot and Squee is a fungus goblin. Uh, there are three, three for three mana, black, red, green. Uh, Slimefoot and Squee uh, has two abilities. So the first one is whenever Slimefoot and Squee enters the battlefield or attacks, create a one, one green sapperling creature token. The second ability is one black, red, green. Sacrifice a Sapperling, return Slimefoot and Squee, and up to one other target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Activate only as a sorcery. So, uh, as long as you have Sapperlings, you always have your commander. Um, and also a, a friend, so that's fun, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, this is pretty good. This is... Honestly, pretty wild. Uh, I know four seems like a lot of mana uh, across three colors, but uh, there, you're, the 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 secret ingredient is treasures. Let's get this out of the way first. Um, so, if you have like any sack outlet and a dockside extortionist, you probably just go infinite. Um, so that's like the easiest way to do it. There's a lot of other. There's a lot of other combos that are, well, slightly le- less pricey and slightly more complicated to assemble. If you have a Phyrexian altar and a creature that uh, creates two or more token creatures when it enters the battlefield or when it dies, um, then you get like infinite death triggers. So let's say you have Scampering Scorcher, Slimefoot and Squee, and a Phyrexian altar on the battlefield. Um, you sacrifice Slimefoot and Squee. Uh, and then you sacrifice the scampering scorcher and it's two tokens. So you have you get four mana and then you just have like slime foot and squeeze little sapperling. So you spend your four mana, sacrifice the sapperling, return slime foot and squee and the scampering scorcher to the battlefield. Um, so that doesn't net anything. But if you have like a blood artist effect, then you get infinite of that death trigger. And if you have something that makes three or more tokens when it enters the battlefield. So like a deep forest hermit um, that makes four tokens when it enters the battlefield, then you can like go infinite, get infinite tokens, infinite mana, et cetera, et cetera. And then it's, it's on you to figure out how to win from there. Um, (laughs) Another way to make this work is like, if you have any sack outlet and a pitiless plunderer, um, then it doesn't, if you have a pitiless plunder, then it doesn't necessarily need to be a um, Brexian altar. You could just, as long as you have the creature that makes tokens, then you can just go off from there. So, a lot of combo potential with this guy. Um, seems pretty cool. And I guess, like, you can also just kind of play him fairly. Like, what he does 
is pretty good. He's kind of just like a, a nim death mantle in the command zone. I think just even playing him fairly without trying to abuse treasure or anything like that, you're going to have a good time. Um, I do love that it turns your like general sapperling producers into reanimate spells, which is pretty cool. Um, so that's really fun. Uh, I, yeah, I think this is kind of just a home run. Like I, I really wish more of the um, partner team ups were kind of like this <laughs> as opposed mm-hmm. to like straight up mashing together of what the cards did. You know what I mean? Where yeah, they're this like, definitely we're take- like mm-hmm. this definitely feels like both Slimefoot and Squee, but it's not just like copy and paste their mechanics. Yeah, yeah, which is um, kind of the thing. Like, I get that that's fun and funny, and we're going to talk about some more that do that, you know, put the two things together. But, like, this one, uh, pretty much all of these um, commander deck ones that aren't in the commander decks feel that way. You know, like Katilda and Lear, like, it's a humans and it's spells and it's bant, you know, Gorgor and Satoru. Oh, it's hasty dragons and it works really well with ninjas. Like, they were really creative with these ones, so I really wish that we could have seen some more um more of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um anyway, I don't have too much more to say. Do you wanna do you wanna finish up here and keep going? Do you have any last last thoughts about this guy? Uh no, I'm happy to move on to the next commander, which is also about reanimator combo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this one's in the main set though. Yes. Uh this one is Croxa and Kunoros. It is three red, white, black for a 6-6 legendary creature, Elder Giant Dog. It has Vigilance, Menace, and Lifelink. And when Croxa and Kunoros enters the battlefield or attacks, you may exile five cards from your graveyard. When you do, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Um, so I'll give uh, credit to cracking this one to Commander Mechanic. Um, that's at CMDR Mechanic on Twitter. Um, but he just suggested running this alongside altar of dementia. So the way it would work is, um, the, and, and the reason it works is because it's worded as when you do return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. So that's a reflexive trigger. And that means that you don't actually choose the target until you do like the first half of the card or the first half of the ability. So let me just walk you through this. So you have a Altar of Dementia on the battlefield. You cast Croxa and Kunoros. When it enters the battlefield, it says you can exile five cards from your graveyard. So in response to that part of the trigger, or that trigger, you sacrifice Croxa and Kunoros and mill yourself six cards with the Altar of Dementia. Then you exile five of those cards And then once you do that, you get to pick the target of what you're going to return from the graveyard to the battlefield. Well, there's a Kroxa and Kunoros in your graveyard, so you can target itself with its own ability. Uh, And then it comes back. The same thing happens. You get to mill six, exile five over and over and over. And uh, the end result is that you've exiled your, well, you've milled your entire library. You've exiled most of it. but the like win condition and I'll uh, give credit to sloth bear 55 on our discord server. Um, the win condition is just like 
some at some point in that process, you're going to mill your Karmic Guide and your Revelark. Um, and then you can switch from, and then like you just end the loop with Croxa and Kunoros reanimating a Karmic Guide. A uh, Karmic Guide brings back Revelark. You sacrifice the Karmic Guide to mill one of your opponents with the Altar of Dementia. And then you sacrifice the Revelark to mill, you know, one of your opponents again. When Revelark dies, it brings back Karmic Guide. Karmic Guide then brings back Revelark. You go through that loop infinite times to mill out your opponents, uh, and then you just pass the turn and see if they can figure a way out of that situation. Yeah, yeah, um, it's uh, probably a lot better these days because the uh, we we kind of mentioned this before on the Golgari guy show, but there's people are running less anti mill tech nowadays than they used to. Mm-hmm. So you can get people <laughs> more often. Uh, and that's fun. You know, sometimes you got to keep people on their toes. Yeah. So basically this deck has a one card combo. It, you just like, and it's in really good colors for tutoring. So I think, I mean, if you just spend, every, if you just put like a dozen tutors in your deck and spend every game, like, okay, I draw my tutor. I get my altar of dementia. I cast it. Then I cast my commander and then I win. Um, it seems like an effective strategy to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, other than that, this it's gonna suffer from the the um, Nib Mizzet syndrome, where you go, "No, I swear, I swear, I don't have the combo." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you gotta show somebody your. You gotta like flip your deck and like spread your your whole list onto the table so people can inspect it before they will like agree not to gun for you from turn one <laughs> exactly <laughs> so uh yeah this is if you're not comboing with this this is just three color reanimator with like a big body attached to it you know like nothing too crazy going on here yeah. it could be fun yeah this is whatever um if I mean I guess if, if you're playing it fairly you can run like like Mesmeric Orb is probably a good card in the stack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do want to fill up your graveyard somehow. So like wheels, the Mesmeric Orbs, things that mill you, um all this is good. Um dredge stuff. You you got it. You you got it from here if you've been listening a while. <laughs> we got a lot more cards to cover, so we're, <laughs> you can figure that out. But um do you want to read off this next one? Sure. Uh, this is Borborgmos and Fibblethip. Uh, given me Fibblethip to pronounce. Thanks. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, this is uh, this is two green, blue, red for a six-five legendary creature, Cyclops Homunculus. Um, this is oh, and it has uh, when it enters the battlefield or attacks, draw a card. Then you may choose. When it enters the battlefield or attacks, draw a card, then you may discard any number of land cards. When you discard one or more cards this way, Boborgmos and Fibblethip deals twice that much damage to target creature. And then it has one and a blue, so two mana. Put Boborgmos and Fibblethip into its owner's library, third from the top. Uh, so this is kind of a neat riff on the old Borbor. Um, it's mostly doing the same things in that you're like discarding lands and dealing damage to stuff. Um, 
it happens a less often and you don't have nearly as much control over the timing. Um, but what do you think about this new Warbore and his little buddy? I know. I think it's kind of funny. Um, I think they're fine. I think um, it's it's another deck where Splendid Reclamation is just pulling like way too much weight for like what you're doing, um, which is just the Borbor special. You know, it's almost like they made that card specifically for for Brigmas to <laughs> just mm-hmm. auto include in every version of him. Um, well, I guess not the first one. The first version, he he doesn't care, but um, seems like from now on he will. Um, but other than that, like. This is pretty good. I I don't I think I'd only pull that trigger on the second ability in like the most dire of circumstances, you know. Um yeah, it seems like it's on there just to justify the blue and the color identity. Um Yeah. Which, and like, and the fact that Fibblethip is there, I think, you know, cuz the blue like draw ETB draw a card um blue and green both get that, so you know, that's fine. Whatever. But yeah, it does yeah. seem like they're kind of ham fisting in the like what like in limited. Just to be fair, in limited, this guy's going to be just absolute beating, right? Like, yeah, he'll be a monster for sure. Just not gnarly, but in commander, like there's so many just ghost quarter your land. You know, like there's so many things that could ruin your day, make you shuffle, and then your commander's gone forever. So not really safe to put it third from the top. Um, that said, if you have like a wheel or something in hand, maybe it's worth it. You know, maybe you go like, all right, put Borbergmos third from the top, cast the spell where I'm going to draw a crap ton of cards and then I can cast them again when I want, you know, and like blow up your thing. Um, cause I don't know. The general play patterns with this guy seem fun enough that I, can see people wanting to play him and also the characters are beloved by a lot of people so i think that alone might bump the numbers on this guy but um i don't know it's not like super crazy just you get you run your groundskeeper and Mm -hmm. you're like uh creeping renaissance and you're uh life from the loam yeah you're just all of your get my land slash permanence back from the graveyard and i don't really think you gotta think too much harder after that yeah um i mean it seems like fair uh it's it's whatever i i don't love it as much just because like of how much control you're giving up relative to the old borbor i know the old one cost a billion mana but you you got a billion mana's worth of card you know what i'm saying yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. absolutely um it's fine i kind of wish that they had gone with a design that like felt more inclusive of all three colors or just like mm-hmm. you know where the they were integrated better i think that the other ones the other designs like the other like multicolor team up feel like both halves a lot more than yeah well that that's yeah. what i'm saying so this one is in the main set like this one being one of the draft mythics yeah. that you can get they just did not as good a job with these ones and i don't know why like maybe it's because like they well maybe it's because like these main set cards like have to serve multiple masters or like maybe the because the other ones are technically moc they got like more love from casual play design um or they just because they 
aren't going into standard. I don't think they're going into standard. Um, they could be like they could push him a little harder. Maybe that's what it is. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, that might be it. Anyway, uh, you are ready to move on to the next team up card? Yes, this is one of the first ones we saw. This was Thalia and the Gitrog monster. Um, so Thalia and the Gitrog monster, what do they do? They are a four-four human frog horror for four mana, one white, black, green. Uh, Thalia and the Gitrog monster have first strike. They have death touch. They have a. They just have a bunch of abilities. You may play an additional land on each of your turns. Creatures and non-basic lands your opponents control enter the battlefield tapped. Whenever Thalia and the Gitrog monster attacks, sacrifice a creature or land, then draw a card. Um. Okay, first strike death touch is always cute. You know, um, it's a four four for four. Playing additional lands, I'm pretty pretty hot for that one. You know, I'm, I'm always down for that. Um, sack outlet on attack. Uh, I don't know. How are you feeling about this? This feels a lot like Mina and Den in another color identity, honestly. <laughs> um, I like it. Uh, it's, I mean, it certainly feels like the Gitrog monster and Thalia. Like it's mostly just their text boxes. Yeah. Um, just not quite as combo Like you don't go in. See yeah. infinite with <laughs> the Gitrog yeah, side of this card. They are they're going ham with like attack triggers or like ETB and attack triggers in this mm-hmm. set. They really don't want you to do the busted thing more than once per turn. Yeah, exactly. Um, so naturally, like I would want to play a Crucible and Fetch Engine in this deck. Um, I would want to play Bounce Lands. Also, seem kind of good. Just making sure you're getting max value out of that additional land drop. I don't. I want to get an extra land every single turn, and those are the two best ways to ensure it happens, just like running Bounce Land and running Crucible Fetch. Um, Let's see. Uh, The attack trigger is whatever. It is nice that... It's fine. Yeah, I mean, it helps you, like, if you've got a Crucible, and but you, like, um, don't have fetches or haven't drawn one yet, or, or, like, it's outside your budget. That's another way to ensure you're getting value out of that extra land drop. Um, and I guess there's always like Ramanop Excavator, Conduit of Worlds, you know, uh, Life from the Loam. So it seems fun and fair. You get value. Um, you can always run like there, there's plenty of sack fodder in this color identity, even if you don't want to sacrifice lands, um, Bloodgast and such works fine in a deck with that's all about playing extra lands mm-hmm. um yeah absolutely i don't know i i i want to do the busted thing more than once per turn but there's you'll you'll get to draw cards in multiple ways with this so it's fine yeah it's totally fine it's it's a good body it's a good ability um just it's not crazy innovative it's uh, that's my biggest problem with a lot of these like main set team ups like three color team ups is like it's just good stuff with like one or two cards that work really well with it you know like for brigmas you're like okay i play these like five cards and now i'm good mm-hmm. and you're like okay and thalion get drug monster you're like all right i got my crucibles my fetches my bounce lands 
uh what else do i put in here and it could be anything it's just it's just kind of good stuffy you know so yeah um, well, one thing i i will say is like i guess it is uh nice that it has first strike and death touch and and like with glissa that we mentioned earlier you can run lure effects um mm-hmm. and just like slaughter your opponent's untapped creatures so that could be okay so that said let's get into i think the last three color main set <laughs> commander um oh nope nope i lied i thought the last one was not in the set but they both are so um this one is um i think pretty interesting that a lowly bell ringer could get with a dragon lord himself so this is zergo <laughs> and ojutai um do you want me to read this off and then you get into it sure so zergo and ojutai so they are a four four orc dragon for five mana uh two blue red white so Nice Jeskai colors there. Uh, they have Flying and Haste. Zergo and Ojutai have Hexproof as long as it entered the battlefield this turn. So, you know, you get one for free. <laughs> you get one turn for free. Uh, and then whenever one or more dragons you control deal combat, combat damage to a player or battle, look at the top three cards of your library. Put one of them into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. You may return one of those dragons to its owner's hand. Um, so the cute thing you can do with this is like you play him, attack, draw a card, bounce it back to your hand. So it's kind of like it has dash, um, and you drew a card and, they and then it'll really like always anything. have hex proof quote unquote. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's basically safe in your hand, like unless barring discard, like it just will be able to like, do its thing be, next turn. Yeah, exactly. Um, but there's some other stuff you actually, uh, Nick made a deck list for this guy. Yeah, so uh, so go ahead and uh, check out the episode description if you'd like to see the deck. Um, but naturally, like because this like builds off of what you already have on the board, you want to run dragons and changelings uh, that are cheaper than it and that ideally have evasion. Um, so you're really prioritizing like you know two and three and four cost dragons and changelings so that. The turn you drop um, Zergo and Ojutai, you're getting like your one trigger per opponent. You're getting to dig like nine cards deep and get a whole bunch of cards in your hand. Um, that's like how I would go about building the deck is just really focusing on low curve dragons and getting max value out of my commander every turn it attacks. I don't think I would bounce it i would probably just try to rely on counter spells and stuff like um to control my opponent's removal or i guess you could run like a lightning greaves or something like i i think that committing five mana every turn just to cast your commander like seems tough but yeah yeah but there are matchups and metagames where it matters more and you might end up doing that um Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think like when it comes down to like late game, it's you versus another person. I feel like that's a lot more understandable, you know? Yeah. Uh, one thing I want to mention is Double Strike is really, really good in this deck. Um, so consider that like Berserker's Onslaught, for example, is, you know, attacking creatures you control have Double Strike and it's an enchantment for five mana. Um, those kinds of effects are very good. Sylvia Bright Spear is another one like two and a white for a two two double strike uh dragons your team controls have double strike 
Um, that's also really sick. So just get the idea of getting digging 18 cards deep and getting six of them in one combat seems absolute madness. Another thing that works well, uh, extra combat steps, of course, um, and extra turns. You're on color for both of those. So keep that in mind if you just want to draw a million cards. In fact, now that I think about it, um, let's, if you have three, if you have like Zergo and two other dragons that can get in at your opponents, um, there might, like digging nine cards is so deep that you might just be able to like do an indeterminate combo off. Like how many extra turn effects are in this color identity because you could potentially if like is nine cards deep in let me uh, okay pulling up the hypergeometric calculator so like you go in uh you dig nine cards deep with zergo if any of those are an extra turn effect you get to basically re-roll um you could do that with i mean if you throw like extra combat effects into the mix then oh yeah it's a sure thing um but that's not but eventually you do run out of mana in that scenario I think this might be a thing. With um, I'm looking at I'm saying like okay the eleven extra combat steps uh, or extra turn effects that cost like seven or less mana. Um, you've got if you're digging nine cards deep, you've got a sixty seven percent chance of seeing one of those. Um, and you if you're willing to like include the eight mana ones or include like extra combat effects, I think you're just I mean well okay. It's Narset. It's like Narset. I, yeah. <laughs> I think you can just go off with this. That's probably how you want to build your deck. Just run enough dragons so that you can consistently like dig super deep and then fill your deck with extra combat effects and extra turn effects and then just steamroll your opponents. That's probably what you want to do here. Mm-hmm. No, I... I- agree i think it's very strong this is one of the ones and, and you endorse this line of play correct <laughs> <laughs> everyone should do this <laughs> no one should not do this um no it's it's definitely the kind of thing where like this this could very easily push into that like narset level but that's just the thing i don't know i just don't brew that many three color commanders these days because it's i feel like every three color commander has pretty close is is always writing that line because you just like have you have so many options now <laughs> it's like hmm like this is especially in Jeskai, you know you're in you're in some pretty brutal extra combats extra turns you got dragons you, you got everything you need you know you there's a lot yeah there's a lot of combo lists in Jeskai. you also yeah. have um what's her name the like future site commander oh yeah 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 there's just Jeskai. they just like just guy comboing and i'm like you don't have to you could just mm. <laughs> you could just uh, but i want to i must <laughs> i know well, that's the problem is when they make it so that it's easy it's like well why not why shouldn't i do it <laughs> you know i'm just crouched over the rock like twiddling my <laughs> fingers together and like why shouldn't i combo off on turn five <laughs> so i love I it. try to stay away from that version of myself you know not the best mm-hmm. Don't don't like looking into the pond after I've killed my best friend and seeing that face staring back at me. So anyway, let's keep on moving. 
All right, uh, we're up to our uh, last team-up commander. This is Zimone and Dina. It is black, green, blue for a 3-4 legendary creature human dryad. Whenever you draw your second card each turn, target opponent loses two life and you gain two life. Oh, that's nice. Um, And then Mm -hmm. tap, sacrifice another creature, draw a card. You may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield tapped. If you control eight or more lands, repeat this process once. so that second part of the card is the busted part. Uh, this commander seems very, very, very good. I built a list. You can check it out in the episode description. Um, but essentially, like there are a lot of there's a lot of cards that are just like landfall, make a creature token, um, and so weirdly a lot of them. Weirdly, a lot of them. And then there's also Bloodgast, which is, you know, landfall, return it from your graveyard to the battlefield. So it's pretty easy to, like, solve for the creature, the, like, creature sacrifice component of this card. Um, And then there's a couple things that can, like, help you untap it. There, the, the best of them is, like, retreat to Coral Helm, which is landfall. Whenever land ETBs, you can tap or untap target creature. That's pretty good. Um, there's also things like, I don't know, quest for renewal or like Pemenzora, mind over matter, intruder alarm, freed from the real or of dominion. A lot of ways to just make it so that you're, uh, oh, and Thornbite staff is of course very good. Um, Thornbite staff just solves it really easily. So a lot of ways to like solve for the creature part and a lot of ways to solve for the untappy part. So what you kind of end up with is. I mean, and if you like, and God, if you have a bounce land, you can just go off. Uh, so like, let's say you have a bounce land in your hand. You've got any num- any one of a number of things that make a t- creature token when a land enters the battlefield. And you've got like one of these things that let you untap your commander repeatedly. Um, so I sack my scoot swarm token i draw a card i put my bounce land onto the battlefield tapped and let's say i've got eight more lands i repeat that process so i draw another card i can put another land down if i want to i pick up my bounce land uh my scoot swarm triggers i get another token my like retreat to coral helm triggers i get another i get to untap my commander I'm back where I started, except I've like drawn a card, maybe dropped in additional land. Uh, and it's just, you know, I'm going to play my library from this point. Um, it seems very good. Even if you can't get the retreat to Coral Helm or the intruder alarm, even if you're stuck with one of the like, or the Thornbite staff, even if you're stuck with one of the slightly worse untapping effects, you're dropping so many lands onto the battlefield each turn. Um, I guess like mind over matter is another one that just combos, but you're, you're dropping so many lands on the battlefield next turn and you're drawing so many cards that you like are going to get to do this a bunch of times. And then eventually you'll find one of the combo enablers that make it infinite. This commander is very good is what I'm trying to get at. I'm, I'm using a lot of words to, to, to it, get that point out there, but this is mm-hmm. super strong. Yeah, it's actually, I don't really have much more to say about it. Like, this card was previewed, and I was like, oh, gee. <laughs> like, 
whoa and uh i i think people like are underestimating how good this is too it's like very good <laughs> like like if you yeah just it just like into it yeah it's crazy i mean it just like draws cards and ramps you until it wins the game um mm-hmm. which is like I, I mean, it builds up your resources until you win. That's like exactly what you want to do in Commander. And it mm-hmm. only costs three mana. And it's in the best yep. colors. Um, yeah, and you're casually just like draining life <laughs> as you're doing Oh, it, yeah, like, yeah, whatever. I mean, that's, it's that wild. part's the flavor text. I've already killed them with my other ability. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, it's literally, it's another one of those, like, instances where it just, Wizards is like, we just want to make sure you know that Soltai does everything. And you're like, <laughs> I knew that. You're like, I didn't, I did know that. And they're like, no, 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 we mean it. <laughs> <laughs> like, we want you to know. And you're like, oh, oh, geez, okay. I also do like how these two schoolgirls are, like, just killing their classmates for benefit. That actually is one of my favorite parts of this card. They're just Definitely. like, like, uh. Just a little casual murder to charge that magic spell, you know, for potions or whatever. This should make like a uh the next time we go back to Strixhaven, um they should make like a pest that is a Goonie. That would be cool. Oh, that would be cool. Oh, I'd love that. Come on, wizards. Hopefully someone's listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they are. Um but yeah, I mean I really don't have too much more to say other than that, joking about how good it is. Do you want to get into our last commander for the set yeah um boy i wish we could end on a better note than this one we should have it's it's fine all right all right can, i'll read this we'll, off like we can we won't be we won't be too mean you know i oh. won't be too mean i don't know about you. <laughs> <laughs> i'm sharpening my knives right now yeah um this is omnath locus of all it is white blue and then phyrexian black then red and green for a 4-4 legendary creature, Phyrexian Elemental. If you would lose unspent mana, that mana becomes black instead. And then at the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, look at the top card of your library. You may reveal that card if it has three or more colored mana symbol in its mana cost. If you do, add three mana in any combination of its colors and put it into your hand. If you don't reveal it, put it into your hand. So, tell me, how would... Go ahead and like rank the five Omnaths for me. Like, tell me like <laughs> which you think is the strongest and which you think is the weakest. That's so funny. I mean, I would say that four color is probably one of the stronger ones. And then uh, I guess I'm kind of biased, but I guess it probably goes like just on mana cost or power level. It's probably like four, three, like two, one. Or four three one two around there, you know, and then this guy. I think I like two over one, but yeah. I'm, I'm I'm with you, yeah. And then if this guy was there, if I was going to add Locus of All to the deck or to the pile, I mean, so even though it's giving you a card, it's worse than the two color one, you know. Yeah, for sure. And then the, definitely it's probably worse than the green one because you just killed <laughs> with the green <laughs> one. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, this is probably the worst Omnath. I had to justify it, but we're there. Yeah, I I mean it's like you could make an argument that like 
five colors is just a better identity. So like you could put it above monocolor Omnath that way. But in terms of just like the actual quality of the card, what it does, I think I like, yeah, the one that kills your opponents. Yeah. So anyway, it's long digression just to say that I think this card sucks. Uh, I think that (laughs) the last Omnath, the four color Omnath was way better than they thought it would be. They made a big mistake. And I think right now they are just trying to make it so that this absolutely cannot positively uh, end up like being a format staple and requiring like bannings or something like that. They were they wanted to be as safe as they possibly could with this, and they succeeded in their goal. Um, <laughs> like for five color commanders having to just like wait a turn to draw one card per turn and maybe get three mana. Um, no, thank you. No, <laughs> thank you. I don't want this. Uh, I feel I feel bad for for any like fans of Omnath uh, because I mean he became Phyrexian and as we all know from paying attention to the, the March of the Machine story, uh, Phyrexians are, are terrible and they're much worse than non-Phyrexian creatures in every way. It, it is a shame to end the set review on a sour note. Uh, a beloved character reaching the culmination of like 14 years, 15 years of, uh, of like slowly adding more colors and their their ultimate version is the arguably the worst but this is where we are this is what happened this is where we're at oh well (laughs) (laughs) this is i mean as far as like things go i would rather them have like a commander that doesn't break everything than does like become the new Golos or something like that. It does suck really bad for people who like the character. Like, I don't know why people like the the primary motivation for liking an Omnath. I'm not sure what that might have been for people. So if people just liked him because he was or them because they were powerful and like a weird blob monster thing, then that's probably a downer. But if you just like nebulous mana beast like maybe <laughs> well, well i think fine it's it's weird though too because like you if what are you saving all the black mana for mm-hmm. you know like what what are you gonna cast with that, that? costs like, like ex- eight black spells? Yeah, yeah like i'm not like you can just exsanguinate anyway just i mean i guess that, like you. i mean i guess it could be like an x spell deck you just like kind of run like Crufix, but three more colors. But mm-hmm. Crufix, I think, does benefit hugely from being indestructible and not being a creature most of the time. Whereas Omnath can't can't really say that about him. Yeah, so maybe like X spell, tribal. You run like your Seedborn Muse. You run uh, maybe even Awakening. Just things like that. Yeah, uh, you can like doubling cube will be good here yeah i guess guess that's what you do with it but Mm -hmm. i 
can't help but de- be disappointed when we like around the, the like third Omnath, we all collectively figured out what was going on. Yeah. And <laughs> uh and everyone like got more and more hyped and it is yeah, it's just a shame to end it this way. Yeah. I And that brings us to the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. So we will have more for you. We got more of this set to talk about. We got the commander set. We got the actual main deck cards. Uh, and then we have our previews slash, uh, or not previews, the uh, predictions. Predictions, which um, I'm not going to lie, I'm excited for this time. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it is kind of a weird note to end on. I'm really not Let, lucky to cast. <laughs> I don't know. I could just ca- I cast Army of the Damned in regular. <laughs> i don't know i don't know so yeah a weird one but um thank you all for sticking with us thank you all for listening and supporting um we're gonna get through these as quick as we can and we hope you enjoy them while we do before we get to some more you know uh, bespoke content yes before we end this episode i want to ask you um there was a lot of commanders in this set i think it's 33 uh, how yeah. do you feel about this crop of commanders? Uh, honestly, overall, very positive. Like, they really cranked that power level. Like, the Praetors are all pretty nuts. Um, even, like, Warrenklex, you know, is, like, <laughs> still just a really strong mono-green deck. And even though there are some of these partner pairs, like the Yadaro and um, Koglin Yadaro and uh Karizev and Baral, you know, that I'm more down on and stuff like that, or the, what was the Orzov, the Drana and Linvala? Yeah. Like, there were, I feel like, more hits than misses, and or more exciting cards than there are, like, very upsettingly sad cards. Like, I feel like there are more cards in this set for the, for the first time, I'm like, wow, I don't, I don't know if, like, casual playgroups are ready for this (laughs) than I have been in a long time. I'm also very positive on the the crop of commanders we saw. Uh, I had a lot of fun coming up with the deck lists uh, that are that are in the episode description. Um, I think there's a lot of like new archetypes, a lot of interesting like combos, um, all just very cool decks all around. Um, I I am like really looking forward to this set and to playing with these new commanders. And I think it's um I just want to remind everyone that like even in the the sets where we like are kind of down about the commanders, like where I I feel like we're there there's lots of sets where we really enjoy ourselves and, and have a lot of fun with the commanders. Uh I think that all will be one was kind of disappointing in terms of the commanders on offer, but they really redeemed themselves with this set because so many of them are just super cool. Um and I, I hope that we've wet your appetite for at least a few of them. I may or may not build like a bunch of these commanders. Like they're really cool, and there's a ton of the cards in the set that I'm going to put into decks I have, or or similar things like that. Some of these cards, like I said, the Praetors in particular, like probably not going to build specifically, but I am going to put them into decks. Like I have a deck for a Tali Primal Conqueror, like already lined up. You know, I got I got some stuff that i'm excited about so um that's really what it's about so we hope you're excited too and uh we hope you join us 
as we continue looking at these uh the mom previews you know we had uh, yes uh neck we've got oh, i mean a whole new card type to talk about in our next episode so mm-hmm. uh, definitely stay tuned I'll, I'll say right now like a lot of the battles seem pretty pushed um yeah and i think we've really seen pushing it yeah there's there's one or two new format staples coming out of this crop of battles so stay tuned for that but before we go I want to give a brief thank you to our Patreon patrons. They are Gustav, Ryan, Addison, Rick, Raphael, Kyle, Laser, Charlotte, Hannah, Andy, James, Bryce, Benjamin, Brandon, Kaidel, Jeremy, Russell, Dylan, John, John, Micah, Troy, Roxanne, Daniel, Andrew, Jason, Paul, Johan, Jonathan, J- Christian, Jim, Andrea, Vasilios, Logan, Fugabrudel, Carl Oscar, Danny B, Jean-Francois, Drew, Recta, Nick, BJ, Cameron, Valerio, Quincy, Carey, Stephen, The Longs, Vincent, Maceo, and Dylan. Thank you all for supporting the show. And if you're not currently a Patreon patron, but would, love, but would like to become one, please check us out at patreon.com slash commander theory. Thanks for listening. You can reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at commander theory. And on Twitter, I am at fat Bartleby. You can also email us at commander theory at gmail.com. Our theme song is Lincoln Continental by Nick Cage. You can check him out on SoundCloud. And if you're interested in some other creative products I'm working on, I have a band you can check out. We are a pink punk, pop punk band called The Have Nots, all one word like Cosmonauts. Uh, you can listen to all of our music for free right now. You can just head over to thehavenots.bandcamp.com. That is T-H-E-H-A-V-N-A-U-T-S.bandcamp.com. And check us out. Let me know what you think. <laughs>